Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Yeah, something comes around. I think I got everything in place now. <laughs> That's kind of how it goes around here. It's cold out there. I mean, it's freezing. We we, we somehow seem to have missed uh, fall and gone straight from summer to winter. So I think fall was like last Thursday, maybe a week before that. Uh, give you the current temperatures here. Yeah, it's 47 degrees out there. Uh, two weeks ago, it was like 90. <laughs> this is ridiculous. So I'm wearing long shirts, long pants, and uh, long things I haven't worn since last winter. But uh, here we go. So I think the high today is 72. Uh, the high uh, last week was like, you know, 98. <laughs> this, is, this is absolutely absurd. Uh, oh, oh, chair. Oh, 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 oh. Hang on. Oh, i got to fix something. There we go. I, I have this weird intersection of chair and rug, and they have to kind of go together. Otherwise, everything just falls apart here. So, it, yeah, it's it's kind of a weird morning. Um, Brianna's not here. She uh, uh, She's out this weekend, so I have, I have an extra hour uh, of stuff. And I have so much material to talk about here because things are, are going crazy. We've got uh, we've got a chance to chat a little bit. So we've got this hour, and we've got the third hour. And so uh, unlike last week, that was all guests, you know, all the time. Um, last week we had uh, Naomi Wolf and Judy Mikowitz on the same show. That was incredible. And so, and then we had uh, Bianca uh, von Krieg brought on Steve Stern. And then we had Jason, that was Wednesday. Then Thursday we had Jason Shepard. And Friday we had Jenna McCarthy. So last week was all guests. This week it's, it's, it's just kind of us. So we have, a, we have a lot of time to catch up on news and report things that nobody else is talking about. So what's interesting is the most important thing I find in, in looking up stories is asking the right question. And so generally things that I'm thinking, somebody else is thinking too. Not a lot of us, but there's some. And there's enough that uh, you can see it, you know, when you find the stories. And certain sources uh, uh, are coming out, like Investors Business uh, Daily um, is, has been a huge source of information on Obama, you know, going back 12, 12, you know, 15 years or more. And so it's quite fascinating to take a look at that and go, oh, so this all started back then, huh? And so that's what we're trying to do. Um, Bonnie's looking into Obama-Iran connections for tomorrow. And so there's just a lot of things that we need to look into. And so we'll see as it goes how it goes. Good day to chat. Uh, hey, there's Marco. Good morning, Marco. Excuse me. Good afternoon, Marco. Marco's in the Netherlands. Um, so we, there's a lot of time to chat today. And so, Marco, if you have a lot of questions, this is a good day to, uh, uh, to do that. Because Brianna's off and uh, the third hour is free, and so we have lots, lots of chat time. So I'm kind of curious uh, what's happening, um, you know, all over and what, what what the perceptions are, what's happening. So we'll get to, we'll get the the European perspective from Marco. Um, I still have some places I'd love to get uh, listeners from, or at least people typing on a live chat. Uh, that would be Belarus, which is right above Ukraine. That'd be a great place. Uh, Cuba, if anybody can type in from there. Vietnam, same thing. If you if you can type in from there. China, if you can type in from there. Uh, so there's a lot of places where we're heard that um, that I don't know if, if people you know can actually try and send a message back simply because of the oppressive nature of their own country. Um, we don't have any listeners in Iran at this point, as far as I know, but we do have Israel and we have Jordan, which is kind of interesting. So we've, we've had Egypt, we've had different places in the past, Algeria, Morocco, places like that. But I guess they listen for a while, decide I'm an infidel and, you know, kind of move on to something else. All right, let's let's talk about the, the big thing for Action Radio is the fact that I have now secured the, the Imaging Theater here in Milton. 
And so we're going to be doing our Citizen Legislation Day. Uh, again, like most things around here, that has never been done. I know, I looked. I checked online. So there's never been a, 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 an event set aside purely for, for bills written by regular people. And so that's what we do around here. In fact, I'll be going over one a little bit later. Um, but that's the, that's the purpose of Action Radio. I mean, I, I do a lot of issues, information, guests, things like that. But what that really all leads to is legislation. And so we write corrective legislation to fix the problems that are happening uh, out there locally, statewide, nationally, and internationally. We have, a, we have an Australian Bill of Individual Rights, which uh, I'd love to see Australia pick up because they're still hung up on the UN Declaration of Human Rights, which is the, the quickest form you know, to slavery. Uh, so let me play a couple things. Just to, I'm going to play a couple things that I play normally. Uh, right at the beginning, I'll play them right at the beginning of the show. These are usually uh, at the end or during you know, our advertising and things like that. And people, I think, might miss the purpose of what we do here. So this is what we do here. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. And that announcement is usually followed by this. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. And those are my first two announcements, and those are probably about four or five years old at this point. And so they are definitely uh, early on and, and talked about some things. You know, and we phrase things differently now. You know, the, the show is called the Action Radio Citizen Legislature um, because Action Radio was a little too generic for the patent office in some other places. And it sort of was confused with Action News and other stuff. I thought, you know what? We're, I don't want to have any issues with anybody because what we do here is so unique. And so I, we were renamed and uh, you know, Brandy, the, uh, the, in, in the good sense, <laughs> uh, the Action Radio Citizen Legislature. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have a day, and this is going to be January 7th, where we are, and we're gonna, we've already got full social media coverage. So we're going to have worldwide uh, coverage on social media. So Marco, you can watch this on, on Sunday, you know, first Sunday of the new year, um, if you want, <laughs> you know, feel free. Uh, and, and we're going to have panel discussions. We're going to have people, our reporters, a lot of our reporters are going to be there, different tables, like a vaccine table you know, a uh, government inquiry table for, for Brianna's report. Uh, we're going to have an Oh My God table for Wendy's report. Uh, we're going to have probably uh, Derek at a financial table. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have uh, Dorothy at a sex table yet. <laughs> I just don't know if that one's going to go over quite as well. Although it was a fascinating discussion yesterday. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I called, the, I said, Dorothy, this is our radio relationship. And <laughs> she kind of reacted. That was kind of funny anyway. And, and the truth is we've never met. And we have these intense discussions. And, uh, um, but obviously we have a tremendous respect for each other and, and like each other and get along really well. So it's, it's quite fascinating. Um, but uh, I want to have, probably have a legal table with Jonathan. I think he might be here, but we'll see. Uh, so you just, you just don't know. And uh, we've got local folks. We've got uh, statewide folks. I don't think any of our international, you know, yeah, probably not. 
it's a bit far to come in. But again, it's going to be covered on social media, and of course, I'm going to try and get regular media as well. So I'm looking, I'm looking at C-SPAN, you know, maybe the BBC to, to carry us to Europe because we have a lot of European listeners. Uh, and so we're just going to find out. I mean, you know, again, it's never been done, so we don't know what we can do. But uh, the bigger name people we get, I've got uh, one national figure already. I'm not going to release names just yet, but um, it's going to be pretty cool. <laughs> you know how worried this works out. It's going to be really amazing. And so no one's ever done this, but we're going to showcase to Congress and to the state legislatures before they get going um, all the bills that would solve their problems. Because we've, we've solved most of the big problems. We solved the economy. Uh, we solved vaccine liability, big tech censorship. You know, the illegal alien problem, you know, the, the uh, you know, just a bunch of different things, problems with the Supreme Court. We, we've got bills that fix all these things. It's kind of funny, actually, that, you know, just this little group of us here <laughs> kind of got together and said, well, let's let's uh, let's try this. And, and you know, and, and the solutions are not that hard. It's just the willpower to implement them or even consider them. That's a problem. They don't they don't want to consider them because there's a vested uh, industry in the deep state uh, in making money, making war. That's what they do. It used to be, you know, make love, not war. Now it's make money with war. <laughs> they've, they've changed it a little bit. Um, question authority has become we are the authority. You know, so all the 60s kids, you know, are now, uh, are now running the show, and they don't want anybody questioning them while they, as kids, felt completely free to question uh, everybody else. But that, that's kind of how it works. So it's, it's a very interesting uh, situation that we find ourselves in here. So I kind of go back to my notes. Anyway, so that's what's going to happen. And so we're going to showcase. We're going to see how much media we can generate, see if we can get some media people to stop uh, dealing exclusively with the problems and actually start reporting on the solutions so that people understand the solutions and then they can decide for themselves. And ideally, millions of people will, will see this and millions of people will you know, send the links to our bills directly to Congress, to media, and we change politics as we know it. <laughs> that's my goal. How far we get? Yeah. We don't know yet. So that's Citizen Legislation Day. This can be January 7th, so mark your calendars and uh, stand by for whatever else I, whatever I can generate between now and then. Anyway, the next big issue is the uh, Jim Jordan as speaker. This is fascinating to me because the plan, is, as always, is that, uh, and I said this yesterday with Jonathan, that uh, the deep state doesn't care if the House is Republican or not. Uh, first of all, they, they, uh, they keep control of the Senate because that's, uh, that's where a lot of the power and money is, because there's only 100 senators, there's 435 representatives. Big difference. And so with the Senate, they're kind of like the old school, the stodgier, and they have a cloture rule, and they have a few things that are different. But the Senate is a place where a lot of bills die just because it's hard to get one passed, because they have to get more than 60 votes to bring it to the floor. That's actually a good thing. I wish the House had that, too, because a lot of bills are stupid. Like anything that... Uh, you know, has funding uh, where they have to borrow money. I mean, uh, and we've got a bill for to fix that too. We got a constitutional amendment that would take care of that. So again, we've you know we've written the legislation, and a lot of it was written a year ago, two years ago, three years ago in some cases. Uh, I think not four years ago, maybe. I mean, that's probably when I started. I mean, write your laws came along after the radio show. So Action Radio had been going for about a year uh, before we finally got uh, the first Write Your Laws website. Now we're on the second Write Your Laws website. So this is an ongoing, you know, this is ongoing investigation. As I say, it's an ongoing process. So Jim Jordan, Jim Jordan would be the perfect speaker, and which means that the deep state is going to try and stop him. And they're not going to try and stop him with mass opposition. They're going to try and stop him with just enough votes so that they can get uh, a deep state person in there. So the speaker controls the House. The speaker is a member of the majority party. The speaker tells the majority party how to vote. The minority party has no vote. They have no say. They have no bills they can bring up. They have no committees they run. They have no power. So basically, they're, they're lame ducks. So they're, they're geldings. Uh, it's usually the Republicans, because the Democrats have controlled the House of Representatives for most of the last 100, 150 years, with rare exception. 
um, when there has been a Republican Congress of late, or Republican House of late, they've had a terrible speaker who made sure that they acted like Democrats anyway. That would have been uh, Paul Ryan, um, and also, let me see, who else? Who's the other guy? John Boehner. And before that, they were Democrats. It didn't matter. And, of course, the Democrats, you know, want to. They just steal the election, and they make themselves uh, speaker, like in the case when they had uh, Nancy Pelosi. So Nancy Pelosi was Speaker of the House, uh, 2020 to 2022, and they – hang on. Whoop, what are we doing here? Okay. Of course, some things. I'm trying to do a little, 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 little technical uh, stuff here. All right. So Nancy Pelosi uh, was never really the speaker because the, the Democrats stole the election in 20, uh, uh, 2020 by um, – we know how they did it then, but that also when she was speaker in 2018, they stole that too. So people forget that there were seven Republican seats in California that were overturned by the Democrats after the election, after the results were declared. So the Republicans won seven seats, and the Democrats over the next two weeks showed up with enough fake votes you know, in the back of pickup trucks, oh, look what we found, <laughs> you know, to, uh, to, to change the results and basically overturn the election. And the Republican geldings, of course, let them, and that's how they lost the House. And once they lost the House, you had all the impeachments, you had all the other problems, and everything that happened, which never had to happen because the Republicans actually won. Same thing with everything that's going on in the country now. None of this had to happen because Trump won. We all know Trump won, right? So because Trump won, uh, we, we, uh, and the government took it away, and the, you know, the Democrats stole the election, the Republicans let them, and the media is all, all in. You know, because this is a case you know, where when the people chose the government, we got Trump. Low gas prices, high employment, not unemployment, high employment, um, you know, massive energy. Uh, jobs are coming back. Factories are coming back. You know, NATO allies paying their fair share. Strong military, you know, North Korea in check, Russia in check. You know, all these other China in check, all these countries were in check, you know, and they were uh, doing what they're supposed to do. The United States was taking the lead and we had a fabulous position in the world. That's when the people chose the government. When the government chose the government, we got uh, a total brain dead weenie uh, who's controlled by a shadow government run by Obama. We have a secret government which hates America, which is trying to overturn everything that we do, that, that loves to maintain wars everywhere. You've got the military-industrial war banking complex. You've got the big pharma, big tech, you know, vaccine complex. You've got all these horrible things going on that could only have happened when the government chose the government. So we do not have a government of the, of the people, by the people, and for the people, as Lincoln um, so, so articulated and demanded. We have a government by the government, for the government, and of the government. So that when the government chooses the government, everything goes wrong because the government, what makes the government happy makes people miserable. And what makes, uh, you know, the government miserable is what makes people happy. So that's how you can tell when things are going wrong. That's how you know the government chose the government because the government's really happy right now. They love what's going on. They've got power. They've got money. The big corporations, they're all sad. They're having a great time because they chose the government. They chose Brandon and they chose and Obama, you know, to run things behind the scenes. So in other words, you have the deep state, America-hating, Marxist-communist government in Washington, which did not win the election, running everything. And, of course, they suck. <laughs> you know, they're, they're the make America suck crowd. They're so bad at what they do because all they're interested in is, is money and power. They don't care what happens to the country. They're destroying the country, you know, for their own selfish money and power. Well, that's what we call a coup d'etat. In a lot of countries, people who, commit, who do a coup d'etat get executed. I don't want that. I don't want these people executed. I want them around a long time. I want jail for a long time. I want them to think about what they did for a long time. You know, stay in jail. And uh, they should be regularly interrogated, you know, and uh, whatever psychological operations, you know, you need to do to find out who they are, what they are, and why they did what they did so we don't have this happen again. 
No, I don't study these people. I don't, I, don't want any, I don't want any harm to come to them. I want them in great health and great shape for a long time so we can find out everything about them and how they operate, especially Dr. Fascist. Dr. Fascist, who has no soul, who has no, uh, <clears throat> no, no substance, he has no spirit, he has no anything. He's just basically a dead hulk of, uh, 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 or as I would call a narcissist, black holes of eternal selfishness. Empty black holes of eternal selfishness. That's what he is. He's an empty black hole of eternal selfishness. All he cares about is making billions of dollars, and he doesn't care how many people he kills. He's a very good government employee, actually, you know, in terms of that, because that's what he does. And, of course, the full name of Dr. Fascist is the genocidal, psychopathic, avaricious, narcissistic, pathologically lying vaccine drug pusher. That's who he is. So let's get to my comment. So the first comment is Jim Jordan. I hope Jim Jordan makes it. I would not be surprised if he doesn't make it, because the fix is in. And all they need is one vote. You know, one range of my chair again. I'm sorry, I got rug problems. Uh, one vote less than uh, it's the pebble in your shoe. You know, Michael Savage talks about that. You know, Cicero, the ancient Roman, says, you know, the big problems, ah, the, you know, they take care of themselves. It's the little things that drive you crazy. That pebble in your shoe. Well, the pebble in my shoe is the carpet under my chair. <laughs> it's driving me crazy right now. Uh, so I'm trying to concentrate and actually uh, you know, deliver cogent, coherent remarks. All right. So Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan would be the perfect speaker. Jim Jordan is tough, fair. He loves America. He loves uh, this, this country. Uh, you know, he's done everything he can for this country. He served this country. You know, he's a wrestler. He's a fighter. He's a real wrestler. I mean, a state champion wrestler. You know, he's a fighter. He's on judiciary. He doesn't mind investigating. He doesn't mind asking tough questions. He does all the right things, which makes him, as the deep state concerned, a danger. Okay? They consider him dangerous. Because they're not going to get their wealth and privilege, and they're not going to get, uh, they're not going to be allowed to do everything that they want to do without being questioned. So they're going to do, I think they're going to do everything possible. Again, I would not be surprised. I'd love to see Jim Jordan the speaker, but I would not be surprised if they get just enough votes to give it to some rhino, or as we call them, transgender Democrats, because that's what the deep state wants. They need that control. They don't care if the House is Republican as long as they control the speaker, because when you control the speaker, you control the legislation. You control the budget. So everything that comes out of the House has to go through the speaker. That's just the way it works now, because we still have parties. So we didn't have parties to be a different thing. Speaker could easily be outvoted. Speaker wouldn't have any, party, any power. The only power they have is because they control the majority of the seats. If the speaker did not control the seats at all because there were no parties, then it would all be uh, individual votes based on issues, and that's a whole different deal. So let's see what happens. It's supposed to be today, a couple hours after the show, and uh, I'll know tomorrow. I'll let you know then. Next thing I wrote down, uh, Blinken is in Israel. This is the Secretary of State Blinken, who's Brandon's former aide, who has no training in State Department diplomacy stuff at all, as far as I can see. Anyway, so Blinken's in Israel, Brandon's going to Israel, and I have no idea why. They don't like Israel. They don't support Israel. They say they do, but I wrote something on Facebook. Uh, let me see if I can get my quote right here. I said that uh, Obama-Brandon policy. So it's, it's, so it's now the Obama-Brandon you know, government. That's what it is, you know, with Obama first because he's the one calling the shots. So the Obama-Brandon policy is verbal support for Israel, financial support for Iran and, Iran and Hamas. So that's what they're doing. So verbally, in words, they support Israel, but in money, they support Iran and Hamas. So they're trying to walk that line of doing both. And it's not working because everybody knows they support Iran and Hamas because they, they haven't taken the money back and given it to Israel. That's what they should have done. If they really supported Israel, they would not have given $6 billion to Iran and said, oh, we're monitoring it, make sure it goes for humanitarian causes. Well, they're a terrorist nation. It doesn't matter what it goes for. You don't give it to them anyway, right? So go to Israel. Israel gets $3 billion a year. Um, and uh, it was a 3.7 billion by treaty by the Camp David Accords, and uh, Ukraine's gotten like 150 billion just in the last year alone. 
So $3 billion to Israel versus $150 billion to Ukraine. Hmm, interesting. Who do you think is going to spend our money better? <laughs> okay. Anyway, so that's, that's the thing. Then I also wrote down here, Blinken says support for Israel but wants ceasefire, uh, support for Gaza citizens with aid, and billions of going to Iran so they can fund Hamas. Basically, that's, that's – uh, and then I wrote down verbal support for Israel, financial support for Iran and Hamas, and that's where the quote came from on Facebook. So that's what we've got. That's what we've got. We've got uh, verbal support for Israel, financial support for Iran and Hamas, which is very, very strange. And so this is how they can say, well, you know, we want, we want to support Israel, but we also want to ceasefire. Well, why would you want a ceasefire? You know, uh, Hamas has already had their shot. They weren't calling for a ceasefire of Hamas while the attack was going on. No, they called it for a ceasefire in Israel. That's like saying that, you know, the rape victim should keep quiet and not press charges. <laughs> it's the same thing. Well, look, you know, just for peace, you know, we want to make sure that the, the rapist and the rape victim, you know, are, are uh, you know, are, are settled and peaceful and, and made whole. And uh, so, so the best thing for the rape victim to do is to not say anything and don't press charges. That's how, that's how they're treating Israel. <laughs> you know, uh, Israel who's attacked, you know, murdered and raped uh, the, the people and, uh, and Blinken and, and, uh, you know, Brandon come along and say, Oh, just, you know, we need a ceasefire. We need to, we need compassion. We need to aid the Palestinians. Really? Isn't that interesting? So what I would do, of course, is remove Hamas, remove any government structure in Gaza and take it over, make it part of Israel again. And just say, look, we're just, we're, we're not occupying it. It's ours. We're keeping it. <laughs> you know, that's what they should do. And what's he, do you think Egypt's going to go to war to, with Israel over, over the Gaza Strip? No, it's not big enough. It's this tiny little strip of land, but all it does is cause problems for Israel because there are tunnels, there are rockets that are fired from there. It's, it's just a miserable, it's stupid to let a place like Gaza, which is proven uh, that it's a terrorist base for Hamas and many Israel, Israeli citizens have been killed from there. Why would you let that stay in your own country? I mean, it's part of it. It's land of it. It's within the Israel borders, Israeli borders, right? So you've got the, the Sinai to the south, you've got the, the, the Mediterranean, you know, to the west, it's water, you know, you've got, uh, was it Lebanon, Syria, and Jordan to the north, northeast, and uh, east, and I forgot who's south, uh, I'll have to take a look, hang on, oh, let's get a map, oh, here we go, when did I get a map, right, I've got a globe right here, so where are the borders of Israel, it's such a tiny country, it's hard to see, so yeah, we've got Lebanon, Syria, and it looks like uh, Jordan, and Egypt, <laughs> you know, so the Sinai Peninsula to the south, you've got uh, Jordan to the southeast and east, you've got Syria and Lebanon, so that border, and then you've got Iraq, and then, you know, and after that you have Iran, and you've got Saudi Arabia real close by too, so Saudi Arabia also borders the, the Sinai, and then you've got the Suez Canal, which kind of runs through there to the Red Sea, so yeah, all those different borders, uh, Lebanon, Syria, and Jordan, yeah. Egypt, oh, there we go. Put my globe back. So with all that, why would you keep why why would you keep the Gaza Strip in Israel when all those people who are formerly Ottoman Turks, you know, should uh, go to either Egypt or Jordan? I mean, half of Jordan is quote Palestinian anyway. So that's where they should go. Go to Jordan, okay? And of course, the West Bank, you know, is Israel. They, they need to take that too. So if Israel would just simply take the Gaza Strip, take the West Bank, and take the Golan Heights you know, from Syria, which was all part of Israel or anyway, um, Israel would be in a pretty good position. There wouldn't be as a tax so much. I mean, the West Bank is so big. It takes such a big chunk of Israel. It really dips Israel up and makes it this very thin little country. So it's stupid. It's stupid for Israel not to uh, just say the West Bank is, is Israel. Okay? 
It's not the West Bank anymore. It's just Israel. Judea and Samaria, I guess, are the technical names. So that's what's going on. So we've got our, our illegal government is illegally supporting terrorists. And while well, they're saying they're supporting Israel, which isn't true. Here's another problem. We've got Americans held in Gaza. Have you heard about uh, hostage rescue efforts? Have you heard about special forces? Have you heard about the FBI's elite hostage rescue team, which did so much damage killing the Branch Davidians in Waco, Texas? No, you haven't. Because, as I keep saying, hostages don't matter to Democrats. They don't. Because hostages are individuals and Democrats operate in groupthink. So... Gee, Greg, what are some of those hostages of minority members? Yeah. So if you had a, a, a gay, black, lesbian woman, you know, <laughs> you know, from, I don't know, from, from you know, illegal alien, uh, then they would send in the rescue team, right? Because now, now, now we've got a diversity person that has to be rescued, right? So that's probably how they think. But basically, well, I'm sort of making fun of them. But basically, they, they operate on groupthink. So groupthink is that the, the group is important. You know, the black people are important. The gay people are important. The whatever constituent group it is they think is going to keep them in power is important. Okay. So they go with, sorry, I didn't mean to yell. So they go with, with what's important as opposed to individuals. Now, to me, individuals are important. I don't care who you are. If you're an American, you know, you deserve to have your life saved. That's what the government's supposed to do. So where is the FBI's elite hostage rescue team and the special forces getting them out? They should have been out by now. If Trump was in office, they'd be out by now. Long ago. Trump might have taken over the Gaza and then given it back to Israel. So here, yeah, we took this for you. We cleaned out house to house, got rid of everybody. So all the citizens need to go to uh, Egypt or Jordan, and all the Hamas need to be killed. <laughs> you know, that'll do it. That takes care of that. Well, I wouldn't say it shouldn't be killed. I mean, I still believe in you know trials of due process and things like that. But if they're carrying guns and firing on Israelis, then it's a no-brainer, right? And the last thing I wrote, and this is on uh, Trump on his uh, gag orders. This gag order, the gag orders I found interesting. I thought, I'm not really sure what a gag order is for. So let's take a look. So I looked up gag orders, and it turns out the gag orders, the purpose of a gag order is to, uh, to make the trial fair. So in other words, there's no bad pre-trial publicity. So in other words, a gag order would be placed on the media so they don't report nasty things about Trump before the trial to prejudice the jury. So that's where the gag order should have gone. It should have gone on the media, and it should have gone on the Brandon government. Because the Brandon government is prosecuting him so that uh, they can beat him rather than actually, you know, go in a free and fair election, an open election. So the gag order should be on Brandon. It shouldn't be on Trump. Trump has no, you know, yeah, he's got access to the media, but he's not, a, he, you know, his one voice compared to the entire media against him, compared to the entire illegal Brandon government against him, the entire Department of Justice against him, you know, Jack Smith and all the other, you know, uh, Nazis <laughs> that work for the leftist Marxist communist government. You know, they're, they're, they're the ones that need the gag order. They're the ones that should shut the hell up. Trump can't get a fair trial. There's so much pre-trial publicity against Trump. There's no way he can ever get a fair trial. He's, and, and the charges are bogus to begin with. So he doesn't need a trial. All right. These things are insane. And he's innocent until, as I say, proven guilty. But, at least, but first of all, you're innocent if the charges themselves are bogus, which they are. So issuing a gag order on bogus charges, you know who really needs the gag order is the judge. Judge should be actually not a judge. The judge needs to be thrown off the bench. That's the first thing you do. So if this were a free and fair trial, uh, the first thing, the judge would be thrown off the bench. The prosecutor would be arrested for prosecutorial misconduct. Uh, the defense wouldn't need to exist because there wouldn't be a trial. And any gag order would go on the media reporting on Trump uh, and on the, the government uh, of Brandon, the illegal government, saying anything against Trump. That's what the gag order should be, but it's not. It's just the opposite. All right. So that's what we're going to do. Let me take a, a break here. I'll come back with, uh, I don't know, whatever article interests me. 
There's so many of them, it's hard to know where to start. So is it now 727? Oh, that was an airplane. Let me play you a couple of things, and we'll be right back. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Okay, also I want to tell you about a couple of sites here because we'll be uh, accepting donations for our Citizen Legislation Day. Uh, we have paypal.me slash actionradio and venmo.com slash actionradio. And so if anybody wants to contribute to those, uh, that's how you do it. And that would also work for advertisers. I'll, I'll talk to that when you get in contact with me. PayPal.me uh, slash Action Radio and Venmo.com slash Action Radio. And there we go. And now back to our regularly scheduled, or actually not so regularly scheduled, um, commercial breaks here. Let's see if I can find the next one. Ah, here we go. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. 
every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. So, what's the most inflammatory article of my group here? <laughs> I think this one, Aram, Aram, A-H-R-A-M online. So, Aram online, I think is a, an Egyptian publication, which is kind of interesting because Egypt hates the, the, the Muslim Brotherhood. So, this is by uh, Hani Gorraba. So, that sounds uh, pretty Egyptian to me. It's you know, quite Egyptian, actually, the name. Guy looks like an Egyptian, too. Definitely Middle Eastern guy. Anyway, so let me see if I find where this website's from. Um, Egypt, War, and Gaza, Business, Opinion, World, Arts, Culture, Arms, Deserve, Arms, Online. Uh, it doesn't say. It doesn't say where it's from. Um, but it's definitely, you guys can look it up. Anyway, we'll, we'll see. But it, it, looks, it looks very much like a Middle Eastern website. So good for them. I, mean, I reach all over to find my sources. So this is Obama and the Muslim Brotherhood. And this is by Hani, H-A-N-Y. Goraba, G-H-O-R-A-B-A, Tuesday, the 19th of October, 2021. It says, a new book details how the Obama administration secretly supported the rise of the Muslim Brotherhood across the Middle East in the wake of the 2011 Arab uprisings, writes Hani Goraba. Now, it's interesting that uh, the Arab, uh, Hillary Clinton and all the other, and uh, Obama uh, called them the Arab Spring. Like it was somehow some, you know, kind of like Oktoberfest. <laughs> oh, this is wonderful, man. This is like a festival. This is the Arab Spring. No, it wasn't. They call it, in the Middle East, they call it the Arab Rising, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. Anyway, it says, the article says, while it is becoming a known political fact that the former U.S. Obama administration facilitated the meteoric rise of the Muslim Brotherhood, which is a terror organization, by the way, right? The Muslim Brotherhood in the Middle East after the 2011 Arab Spring uprisings. See, there you go. Uprisings. Okay. Got it. Few books have linked it to brotherhood leaders in the United States and abroad in the terrorist group's ambitions to rule the Middle East. So why do I bring up the Muslim Brotherhood? Because the Muslim Brotherhood created Hamas. Hamas is the government in Gaza, and in Hamas are the people that just uh, killed all those Israelis in the most brutal fashion. So the connection is, you know, Hamas to the Muslim Brotherhood to Obama. Obama made the Muslim Brotherhood, which one of their members is Robert Morsi, who was a dictator in Egypt until the, the Egyptian military killed him, or, or at least kicked him out of office. I don't know if they killed him or not, but I know they kicked him out of office. So the Muslim Brotherhood is bad people, and guess what? They're still in the United States. They're still working with Obama. Still, Obama is still running the country. I mean, this is all pretty obvious. You know, and, well, gee, Gregor, that's a conspiracy theory. I said, really? Everything's happening the way Obama wants it to happen. Well, how is that possible if Obama's not running things? Okay. What I don't understand is why the, the, the government lets Obama run things. Why did the Republican geldings let him do this? This is the part I don't understand. I know why he's doing it. He's having fun. He's, he's got power. He, he made a statement that, uh, you know, he said one day after the presidency, well, he said, I wouldn't want to be president again, but I would like to be able to, you know, talk into the ear of the president, like have like a, like a brain connection where I, where I speak and they, they say it, you know. And gee, how about that? So Obama's, the, the, his one flaw is that he's an egomaniac megalomaniac, and he's so arrogant that he tells you everything he's doing uh, or he's going to do. So he's, he's an open book as far as that goes. Part of the reason he was a terrible president, um, but the second reason was he hates this country and he wants to transform us into, you know, Iran, which <laughs> we're looking into Obama-Iran connections. Anyway, 
So then he said, so the article then says, few books have linked it to the Muslim Brotherhood leaders in the United States and abroad in the terrorist group's ambitions to rule the Middle East. So the Muslim Brotherhood wants to rule the Middle East. Well, isn't that interesting? Well, if you're going to rule the Middle East, that means you don't have Israel. Okay, I mean, the ultimate goal is, the goal is to get rid of Israel. So when the Obama-Brandon insurrections say that they support Israel, they don't. Because they really support Iran and Hamas, because that's where all the money's going. Follow the money. Article says, however, in a recent book, The Arab Spring, Rus, how the Muslim Brotherhood duped Washington in Libya and Syria by U.S. political writer and counterterrorism expert John Rosamondo. Now, why is that interesting with Libya and Syria? Well, Libya is where Benghazi is. Benghazi is where Hillary Clinton was running guns, you know, through to ISIS to overthrow Syria's uh, Assad. Now I'm going to show this. And we have troops in Syria. Still. Don't know why. Anyway, so John Rosamondo. Uh, he said, Rosamano has written over a decade for the myriad of U.S. political and counterterrorism media outlets and newspapers. Yeah, not that they do anything. He says, uh, that's my comment, and, and this is in his book, which was published in October, Rosamando uncovers a number of links between the Obama administration and the Brotherhood. Ooh, what a surprise. Despite the book's small size, it is heavily researched and documented with online links and citations to every incident covered in the pages. It may entice readers to read more on the subjects discussed, given the details it has exposed. Yeah, see, is this talked about all the time? No. Should people know? You know, so, so, so immediately when you hear Obama's name mentioned, it should be Obama, you know, and the Muslim Brotherhood. <laughs> Just say in the same sense, Obama, who represents the Muslim Brotherhood in the United States, you know, I mean, that should be like as automatic as, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, Robert Kennedy, you know, liberal Democrat. You know, that should be the name. Barack Obama, you know, Muslim Brotherhood. I mean, they should go together. That association has to be made. So this is, then this is a book which is published. The book's all says it covers. Okay, well, no. Then this, here's a quote. Few had realized how dramatically the Obama administration had altered official U.S. government policy towards the Muslim Brotherhood until the, movement, the moment U.S.-backed Muslim Brotherhood parties made grabs for power in Egypt, Libya, and Syria. Because they, they wanted to rule the Middle East, right? It's the same old story. Everybody, you know, everybody wants to rule the world. The, the, the Coldplay song was right. Everybody wants to rule the world. Is that Coldplay? Maybe that's Simple Minds. Ah, whoever it is. Ah, Marco can look it up. He's good at that kind of stuff. Is he getting comments here? Who's saying everybody wants to rule the world? Everybody. I think it was Simple Minds. Anyway, they had two hits. They had that one and the one from uh, um, the, the movie, <laughs> The Breakfast Club. Those are the two hits. Uh, anyway, so I'm off track here, but that's okay. It's, it's, it's Tuesday, and it's just me, and I'm just talking. So anyway, so, so the Muslim Brotherhood wanted to run Egypt, Libya, and Syria. Well, Libya is run by Muammar Gaddafi, but he wasn't supported by Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. So they probably you know, either worked to have him killed or had him killed. I'm not sure how. Syria, they were, they were running guns through Benghazi to get Assad killed because they wanted you know, regime change. In other words, they wanted to steal the government of Libya and Syria. Egypt, they did steal the government with the Muslim Brotherhood for a while until the Egyptian military said, screw this, and they got rid of Morsi. Anyway, Rosamondo writes back to the article, his book details the Obama administration's changes in detail, showing how it leveled the field for the terrorist group, that's the Muslim Brotherhood, while assisting it in grabbing power. Well, gee, that's a great, this is a great American policy. And it'll be the policy of the United States to help a, a terrorist you know, theocracy, <laughs> Muslim Brotherhood, take power in countries away from the people of Egypt, Libya, and Syria. Hmm, great idea. 
Then it says, while the book focuses mainly on the cases of Libya and Syria as the two countries that are still suffering from the onslaught of over a decade of civil war, it also gives clues on how the Obama administration favored the brotherhood in countries such as Egypt after the beginning of the Arab Spring. Well, see, that's key. That's key. This whole, this whole uh, Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt is, is really kind of key, right? Now, it's interesting that Egypt is smart enough not to attack Israel. So they've been doing pretty well with that. I mean, they, they've got, you know, I think uh, the Gaza is either part of Egypt or Egypt has a border with it. I think Gaza is by Camp David Accords. Well, if Egypt, but they've closed the border. <laughs> you know, I mean, Egypt, if, if Egypt was, was compassionate and humanitarian, they'd open the southern border to Gaza and they'd say, come on down. Come on, Palestinians, come on to Egypt. But they don't want them. They don't want a bunch of people that, that, you know, send missiles into other countries. They don't want those people. Nobody does. So it's up to them to shape up or, or uh, you know, Israel should just move them out. I mean, just, it's just as simple as that. Geographic is kind of harsh. No, missiles and, and bombs and killing babies is harsh. You know, moving people out who have no reason to be there, that's not harsh at all. All right, so here we go. While the book focuses mainly on the cases of Libya and Syria as the two countries, as two countries that are still suffering from the onslaught of over a decade of civil war, it also gives clues on how the Obama administration favored the Brotherhood in countries such as Egypt after the beginning of the Arab Spring. I think they had the headlines up top. Rosamundo elaborates on how far the Obama administration strayed from the path of previous U.S. foreign policy. Well, of course he did. That's why he was elected to transform America away from America. That was his job, right? This is leaving one uh, that had been inconsistent for many years. Previous Democrat and Republican administrations never publicly engaged or dealt with the Muslim Brotherhood or its affiliates. According to the author, both parties' presidents recognized that the Muslim Brotherhood or its affiliated groups, I wonder how many of those there are, or front organizations, well, that's more like it, were dangerous and linked to terrorist groups. Yeah, there we go. Muslim Brotherhood is a terrorist group, right? The Obama administration's decision to ignore its predecessor's policies towards the Brotherhood marked a significant turn of events. Let me put it simply. Um, Obama embraced the Muslim Brotherhood knowing they were terrorists. In fact, probably because they were terrorists. I don't trust Obama. I think he's, he's incredibly dangerous, hates this country, uh, never should have been president, and uh, his birth certificate was ruled a fraud, so he was never eligible to begin with. So anyway, but that's uh, people seem to say, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. No, that's a fact. It was his birth certificate was ruled uh, a fraud, and so uh, everything he did should have been wiped out. Uh, the archives should say, well, you know what? He was, he was never president. You know, we had four years of eight years of somebody that wasn't allowed to be there. So we're just going to take all these executive orders and go and just you know wipe them all out. That's that's how you handle a fake presidency. Same thing with Brandon. Everything he did. Shouldn't be recorded. Archives should say, I'm not recording this. He's not president. He lost. <laughs> you know, if we had a decent archivist, that's what they do. The National Archives would say, look, we're not going to change the historical record. We're going to say Trump won. And that, that's what a ballsy uh, person would do if they were running the, uh, um, the archives. National Archives, that's where the records are kept. Because we're going to have to correct the books anyway. We know Trump won the election. So everywhere in print that it says, or certainly in government, everywhere in government print that it says Brandon won the election, that's going to have to be changed. Because we all know that's not true going to be interesting. But we can't have generations of people believing it is true. And the way that would happen is if they don't correct the historical record. No one's talking about this. It's one of the most critical things to do is to correct the historical record, and they ain't doing it. Here we go. So let's go back to the thing uh, here. It says, the decision to engage the Muslim Brotherhood marked a historic change in America. Okay, I read that. Created a new paradigm in the Middle East. Oh, there's a good word, paradigm. And set into motion a series of events that had catastrophic results. Yes, they did. The Muslim Brotherhood's resurgence, the overthrow of at least two governments, Al-Qaeda in Iraq's transformation into ISIS, 
the Islamic State group. You know, that was for the caliphate, right? The, the failed governments in Syria and Iraq, millions of refugees and displaced individuals, and the resulting destabilizing migration flows. So this is the other thing, too. Millions of refugees, you know, from Syria and Iraq. I mean, come on now. These, first of all, these are all arbitrary borders anyway. So I, you probably have to redo the maps. Every one of these countries has a bad map. It was made up by the British and the French. French made up Syria and Lebanon. The British made up Jordan and Israel. And all those maps are wrong. <laughs> you know, because the, the, and, and Iraq. Iraq, you know, used to be Mesopotamia. So the only country I think it has its original borders out there is Iran, which used to be Persia. It's very confusing. Anyway, it says here that according to his book, former U.S. President Barack Obama went as far as to issue a secret directive. Oh, here we go. Called Directive 13. Hmm. PBD 13. That would be presidential something directive, right? This is this then shaped U.S. foreign policy related to economic and political reform in the Middle East and North Africa. Uh, it says the Obama administration believed it was necessary to separate the Muslim Brotherhood and Al-Qaeda. I don't know why. Empowering the Muslim Brotherhood would, according to Obama, weaken Al-Qaeda in a decision that could be considered as one of the, the, the severest cases of political naivete in modern times. No, never, never assume stupidity. Always assume purpose. That's, that's my rule, right? So why would they do that? Why would they, they, would they uh, favor the Muslim Brotherhood over Al-Qaeda? Well, Al-Qaeda was responsible, allegedly, for 9-11, even though we know it was Iran. Okay? But they're blaming Al-Qaeda. And who was the head of Al-Qaeda? Osama bin Laden. So when we killed Osama bin Laden, maybe, <laughs> you know, uh, we sort of took care of Al-Qaeda, maybe. And therefore, uh, you know, they could secretly boost the Muslim Brotherhood, which probably had a lot more to do with it. We're going to find out. We're going to trace the connections. We need to trace the, the people involved in 9-11 and get them back to Iran and the Muslim Brotherhood. We're working on that. Anyway, it says the core fault of the Obama administration was its adoption of false rhetoric. No, that, that, that was their purpose, right? Presented for years by Islamist activists and later liberal Western politicians and pundits, uh, that there is a distinction between the Muslim Brotherhood and Al-Qaeda. But the truth remains that the Brotherhood must be judged on its criminal and terrorist record uh, starting from the 1940s, that'd be World War II folks, in Egypt and then moving to other countries. The group's founder, uh, Hassan al-Banna, and its main ideologue, Syed Qutb, Qutb, remain the main references you know, for uh, Islamist or jihadist groups across the, across the planet. That's interesting. Hence, attempting to separate them off from the groups they give rise to is nothing less than, than farcical. I agree. Yet Obama, according to Rosamondo, instructed U.S. diplomats to expand their, their contacts within the Muslim Brotherhood and to coordinate with it in, in its quest to seek power in Syria, Libya, Tunisia, and Egypt. Brotherhood activists confronted, controlled the narrative on events in Syria and Libya for the Obama administration and even the U.S. media. Eventually, they, that controlled, control, eventually, that controlled to directing the policies of the administration towards assisting the ascension of the Brotherhood to positions of power. So you take a terrorist group and you give them legitimacy by putting them in, in, in offices, in, in, in you know, proper government offices. That's the problem. Anyway, it's getting a little more complicated. This is, well, it's not too much more. Furthermore, the book discusses, all right, this is just about the book. Let me see if I can find some nice pithy quote here to end with. I'm getting bored with this article. This is, alas, the whitewashing of the Obama administration's misdeeds in the Middle East is still ongoing, even though some may describe that administration as literally, quote, getting away with murder. Yeah, I'm sure they did. The destruction of the Syrian and Libyan states and the ongoing war on terrorism in the region resulting from Obama's policies have been mostly overlooked by in U.S. coverage of the Arab Spring. 
But now along comes a book that is changing that. Okay, fine. Enough about Obama and the Muslim Brotherhood. What else can I do? Let's see if we can find another topic. Let's talk about now. There's two articles I have here, so I probably won't read both of them. Um, I'll take a quick break here and get some water. <laughs> but uh, there's there's two articles here that talk about um, the the uh, the intelligence. One says there was an intelligence failure. One says there wasn't an intelligence failure. Well, I'm kind of interested now. So let's let me let me quickly take uh, play something for you here. Yeah, a couple more commercials will do it. So what's it now? Seven forty-seven. I'm doing airplanes today. Seven twenty-seven. Seven forty-seven. Break. That's kind of funny. A couple more here, and then I'll be back because uh, it's just me. And I got a lot of time to fill, and my voice is going to be gone within three hours. If well, we have Josie in the, in the next hour. All right, a couple more things for you, and be uh, right back. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care, and now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Greatcare, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Joe Biden's Dark Winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists 
steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. Action Radio. Dangerously cool. So, Pianchi, uh, yes, it is Tuesday. <laughs> Pianchi, should I explain that? <laughs> it's a long story. That was an off-the-air chat. Uh, but he's posted a YouTube from Helen Thomas, a uh, former um, reporter during the, the Kennedy administration, I believe. And so I can't watch it now. Obviously, I'm in the middle of the show, but uh, I'll get to it after the show. I've copied the link. So uh, we'll take it. And people do that. They'll send me links on live chat. And so I get a chance to see them after the show, which is kind of cool. All right, let's get another completely inflammatory uh, couple of articles here. Uh, in the time before Josie gets here. And I might get one, I might get both. We'll see. Anyway, this is from Tablet. That's a website, Tablet. It says, is Israel's intelligence failure? And then I have another one that says, it's not a failure. So, excuse me. I thought these would be uh, interesting, contrasting articles. So this one's called, uh, subtitle is, A Tragic Political Misjudgment About Hamas Intentions by Edward K. Lutwak. Now, I don't know how they missed this. First of all, where where were the... uh, uh, Hamas commandos, you know, the, the, the terrorist warriors, where were they practicing uh, flying those, uh, those little paragliders? Well, they're not really gliders, they're powered. So the, the, the para power ships, whatever they're called. Uh, and uh, Pianchi was right. There, there were some that actually had them on the backpack. I'd never seen that before. So I, I always assumed that they, they rode in the two-person ones, but apparently they do have uh, the individual backpack ones. But uh, where did they learn how to do that? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if there are many, uh, you know, para, paraglider, you know, uh, clubs in, in, uh, in the Gaza. You know, you see a bunch of Palestinians flying around. Hey, man, look, we got, we got, uh, we got the, those, those surf things, you know, on the beach. You know, you got the, the, what is it, the water skis, what are those called? Parasailing, right? And so then you got uh, para-powered flight or whatever those things are called. You know, it's, I, don't, I don't think that's a big Palestinian activity. Something tells me. Yeah, probably not. Article is by Kenneth N. Lutwak from October 8th of this year. So just, eh, I would say 16th, 17th, so last week. He says, in recent months, Hamas refused to join the much smaller Islamic Jihad in launching rockets against Israel, which seems to have convinced Israeli leaders that at long last, the leading terror group in Gaza has decided to prioritize the welfare of its subjects over more futile rocket attacks. Of course, that's not true, right? <laughs> what do you mean? Hamas refused to join the, the smaller Islamic Jihad in launching rockets. Of course, Hamas launched rockets. Who is this idiot? Anyway, but that's what they're posting. So, you know, now I'm curious. He says Israel promptly reciprocated the de facto Hamas ceasefire by allowing thousands of Gazans to work in Israel. Oh, that was stupid. First 17,000, then 20,000. Uh, with the potential for many more. Their earnings were changing the lives of 100,000 family members with the possibility of even wider benefits. What was happening on the ground seemed uh, to open a path toward tranquility for Israel and a degree of prosperity for Gaza. Evidently, it was all a delusion. Hamas, just like Arafat's PLO, didn't we mention that Monday, right? Uh, That Hamas is just an extension of the PLO, right? Uh, It says Arafat's PLO is willing to do everything for Palestine and nothing at all for Palestinians. That's interesting. So they want the power of a state, which they're not entitled to, um, and the, but uh, the people themselves, they don't care because, you know, the leading uh, Hamas people are all in Qatar, you know, enjoying, you know, steak and sushi, right? Uh, so it's a, do they eat meat? Well, I'll worry about that later. Uh, I think they do. Anyway, so, but that's what's going on. So it's quite fascinating. 
Then it says Israel's political misjudgments about Hamas intentions, especially in the context of recent hopeful movements towards further peace agreements with Arab countries, including a deal with Saudi Arabia, may well have played a background role in lowering the country's vigilance. Yeah, Israel, you screwed up. But it's no excuse for the massive intelligence failure that allowed Hamas to pull off its deadly surprise offensive. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Indeed, Israeli wishful thinking is not even relevant to Saturday's disaster because the 24-7 scrutiny of enemy doings and undoings to detect threat indicators is not supposed to be switched off for any reason, ever. So, yeah. So they can they can think that we're we're getting along better with Hamas, getting along better with the Palestinians, but you still you know what would uh, Reagan say? Trust but verify. <laughs> you know I, I I would say I wouldn't even say a guarded trust. I said maybe you know fake trust. I, I just, just verify. Anyway, article says in theory one may have to wait for years to find out what happened. That's not true. They just keep the evidence hidden. They don't look into it. Probably takes about a couple of weeks to figure out everything, right? Says, but in reality, there is only one way Hamas could have pulled off Saturday's massive surprise attack by feeding valuable, indeed actionable information to individuals who were Israeli intelligence sources, even though that information allowed the Israelis to destroy rockets before they could be launched against them and achieve other successes. Huh. This doesn't make sense, but in reality, there is only one way Hamas could have pulled off Saturday's massive surprise. By feeding valuable, indeed actual information to individuals, why would they do that? And that's just because the destroyed rockets belong to Islamic Jihad, which is the chief competitor for Hamas and Shia leaning to boot. Iran pays the bills. Hamas itself paid no price uh, to thus fill the espionage horizon below which yesterday's attacks were planned. Now, I've never heard about Islamic Jihad and Hamas competing in, Palestine, in, in, in Gaza, so this is just weird. Then it says, there are techniques with which much skill and patience can uncover double agents, but no tricks can detect agents who are reporting as best they can what they actually know. So in other words, telling them the truth would have stopped the attack? Hmm, that's interesting. And who report? Yeah, oh, I guess they would. So in other words, if the, the, uh, the Hamas people said, hey, look, Islamic Jihad is planning to attack you, that might have been good. I guess that's what they're saying. They just have a funny way of saying it. This is evidently years of war with Israel and its intelligence services have taught Hamas how to fight them effectively. I'm sure. Caught by surprise, even because of errors that allowed Hamas to take the initiative, it is now Israel's turn to act, and not just by bombing Hamas headquarters. A new approach altogether is needed with nothing off the table. Ooh, that's not pretty ominous. Yeah, well, what they really need to do is clean out Gaza, take it over, and open it up for for people of, of Arab you know, origin, Muslim origin, to uh, to live there peacefully as part of Israel. So that's the article that says it was a, a failure. Let's, not, let's take a look at the article that says it wasn't an intelligence failure. I think this is going to be the more interesting one. We've got Josie in about three minutes. So this is from uh, Zero Hedge. Uh, the title is, No, the Hamas invasion was not an Israeli intelligence failure. Let's find out why. Sunday, October 8th. This will be the day after the invasion. Originally published via Armageddon Press. I had to check them out too. It says one would have to be, have to be almost certain, almost hopelessly naive, to buy the corporate state media line that Hamas invasion yesterday morning was an Israeli intelligence failure. Yeah, that's more my point of view. Mossad is one of, if not the most powerful intelligence agencies on the planet. It routinely shares intelligence, furthermore, with the Five Eyes uh, intelligence services. I'm not sure what they are. I'll look at that later. Because Jesse's coming out, I'll probably get back to this after uh, after her report. It's, this is talking about the Mossad. It has tentacles deep inside of every ally and foe of import. Its spies are littered across the Gaza Strip, which is an effective open air prison 
<laughs> we talked about there being a prison, into which goods do not flow but uh, for the blessing of the Israeli state. The Gaza Strip is arguably the most heavily surveyed geographic area on earth. That's why I say they just make it part of Israel. This is stupid what's, what's going on here. They're you know, faking it as, a, as an Arab place when it should be part of Israel and making it much safer and safer for the people that live there, right? Then it says the Hamas invasion of southern Israel yesterday was an operation involving tens of thousands of operatives, at least across land, sea, and air, using all manner of equipment and weaponry, drones, thousands of rockets, countless firearms, and even bulldozers that were positioned to knock down Israeli fencing. Yeah, that takes months of preparation, right? How could they not know? That was my contention. How could they not know? Then it says, as MSNBC and CNN would have you believe, this was all a big intelligence failure by Mossad. Yeah, that never made sense to me. Then it says, Bibi Netanyahu was, oh, there's Josie. Uh, no, that's, that's Pianchi. All right, so hang on, Pianchi. Uh, let me see how much of this I can get to before Josie gets here. Bibi Netanyahu was in real political trouble before this conveniently timed invasion. Now, or at least uh, this is the hope, Israelis will rally around the flag for some patriotic Palestinian ass-kicking, and their prime minister's in, uh, imminently obvious corruption will be at least temporarily uh, forgotten, if, if not forgiven. Yeah, the judicial, there's Josie. The judicial aspect of this is a little different because what the Israeli court wants to do is be like our court in terms of judicial review, which is unconstitutional in our system. So the idea that Bibi Netanyahu's in trouble for trying to stop the court from becoming uh, as corrupt and dangerous as our court is not a problem. And so but we'll talk about that. That's, that's kind of a confusing issue that's being reported badly. This is, meanwhile, Israeli intelligence, rather than being punished for its failure, will, be, will use its, quote, failure as a pretext to gamer more funding and more authorities for itself uh, so as to prevent another such failure. The Hamas invasion was only a failure if one believes the goal of Mossad is to protect Israeli civilians rather than accrue more power for itself. Ooh, that's interesting. It says, at a bare minimum, Mossad knew of the attack beforehand and let it happen for political convenience. More likely, in my view, is that it actually actively facilitated the attack. This is your head saying that Mossad facilitated the attack. See, I, you know, I've always contended, and I'll talk to both Josie and Pianchi about this, that this is like the Reichstag fire, you know, where Hitler burned down the German parliament and blamed it on the Jews so he could then attack the Jews, or the Lusitania, which was full of arms and weapons and contraband. The Germans sank it. And they said, oh, they sank it. They killed a bunch of, you know, helpless passengers. Yeah, but, you know, or the Maine or the Gulf of Tonkin with the Greer or Pearl Harbor, any of these things where uh, governments either let things be attacked, 9-11, uh, they let things be attacked as a pretense for something else, either starting a war or massive security uh, on the people or things like that, or, or removing of freedom. It's all the same stuff, right? So did Mossad let this happen so that Israel could attack Gaza and clean it out? That's what I think is the most likely scenario. That says the kind of person, I'll look at one little bit, then I'll be done. Uh, there's more to the article, but I'll get it after Josie. The kind of person who would believe this was a big intelligence whoopsie are the same kind of people who would, who would buy that a handful of semi-literate cave dwellers halfway around the world single-handedly pulled off the greatest terror attack in world history with no assistance from spooks and that buildings and with structure fires at the top of them collapsed at free fall speed nearly to their own footprints. <laughs> Neatly to their own footprints. Let me read that again because that, that really kind of uh, sums it up. All right, the kind of so another, what they're saying is if you believe this was an intelligence failure, you believe that 9/11 the buildings hit the top and then crumbled to the bottom, you know, in exactly the place where they were built, and that nothing else affected it. Yeah, well, we we all know that's a bunch of nonsense. Let me just read this one little paragraph again. It says that kind the kind of person. 
who would believe this was a big intelligence whoopsie are the same kind of people who would buy that a handful of semi-literate cave dwellers halfway around the world single-handedly pulled off the greatest terror attack in world history with no assistance from spooks, that'd be spies, and that buildings with structure fires at the top of them collapse at free fall speed neatly into their own footprints. That, to me, is fascinating. So 9-11, you know, if you believe 9-11, you'll believe that Israel had studied this, this attack that took months of preparation was coming. I think, uh, I think both of them, both the stories are a bunch of nonsense. But let's get to Josie, and I'll get Priyanka in here, too. And here we go. She started off as a poor child in Nicaragua, living under communism. And now she is a prosperous small businesswoman with a great family, living the dream as an American citizen. Josie Coffey knows all about both worlds, communism and freedom. She knows where your dreams can come alive and where they can die very quickly. And so her report is as much from experience as knowledge, and her passion and crusade are very real. With connections all over Central and South America, Josie brings you the world south of the U.S. border, from personal experience, living, not just reporting, what's happening. And now, the Latina Report with Josie Coffey. Buenos dias, chica. ¿Cómo está? Good morning. Buenos dias. Dobre ultra. <laughs> I'm doing well. It's always funny, though, when, when me as an English speaker speak Spanish and you as a Spanish speaker speak English. It just sounds funny to me. <laughs> I just find uh, that amusing. Impression. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then we speak well, Russian. So that's what we do. Yeah, that's Russian. Yeah, we have to. Yeah, 9-11, when people find out 9-11 was well organized by our government. Terrorists didn't do this. Our government did. They well, well, let's, well uh, let me just hold you up a little bit here because, oh, you know, yeah. I have, there's, there's two ways of looking at this. Um, the one way is that, uh, which I think is more the likely one, is that they didn't completely cause it themselves, but they knew it was coming. Let it happen and then no. maximize the opportunity. Okay. And I think the same no. with Pearl Harbor. I don't think that the, the American government, you know, coerced the Japanese into bombing Pearl Harbor so we could start World War II. I think they knew the Japanese were yeah. coming because we'd broken the code. No. And that once the Japanese they bombed Pearl Harbor. Too. Okay, they so, created yeah, so, the whole thing. World War so I, is, World War II, Pearl Harbor, mm-hmm. Sandy Hook, Oklahoma bombing, Benghazi, 9-11, all the shooting in Las Vegas, the shooting at the gay bar, the shooting in El Paso, Texas, the shooting with mm-hmm. the kids in the school to take all our weapons away. Everything is well planned and organized by the CIA, FBI, our Pentagon, uh, State Department, our government. Uh, it's, it's insane. It's insane, the whole thing. They plan okay. the whole thing. They have planned... They have planned to bring 100 million illegals because guess how much the doctors are saying they're going to die from the vaccine. 100 million in America will die from the vaccine. So they're replacing the dead ones with the illegals. That's exactly what's going to happen. Well, they call it the great replacement, but uh, the the, the leftist propaganda version is that uh, white Americans hate people of color. And we don't want to be replaced. That's a bunch of nonsense. You know, Americans, you know, white Americans no. don't care about other color of Americans. You know, what we care about is, is our lie. freedom. We yeah. care about our freedom. Well, of course, yeah. it's a lie. But uh, what's interesting is that uh, there's not a single program for illegals crossing the border to get COVID shots. And not a single Republican has challenged that. 
So that's interesting to me. They're right? not getting, Again, they're not getting shots. You're right. Of course they're not getting shots. Mm-hmm. No. Not only not, they're not getting shots, there's not even a suggestion that they get shots. There's not even a public service no. announcement. You know, welcome to the United States. You know, people of the world, don't forget your COVID shot. So nobody is, is mm-hmm. insisting that these illegals get a COVID shot. They don't have to get one for their immigration uh, hearing. They don't have to get one for the welfare. That, they don't have to get one for a yeah. driver's license. They don't have to get one for anything. Nothing. That to no. me is fascinating. That's what I was going to yeah, go talk about it. Okay. Uh, an eco pass, Texas, uh-huh. in the last 14 days, they have caught 30 Iranians, 60 from Syria, 35 Pakistanians, 100 Russians, uh, 285 Afghanistan, 2,000 Chinese, and you know the Chinese are soldiers coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is insane. They're allowing all these terrorists to come. This is not just innocent people that want a better life and all that. They're releasing a lot of the prisoners from Venezuela. Those are the ones in that train that you saw coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're going to get IDs, and the reason they're getting IDs is not just to vote, but so they can go buy weapons. Oh yeah. Well, also so, they, so they can give birth and uh, and lock in uh, uh, staying here, you know, because so, of the of the false birth policy that says if you're born yeah. on American so, soil, you're an American. That's not true, and we, we've covered that you know enough yeah. times. So a lot oh, yeah. of this is yeah. has to be stopped, not only because of this, but all those births have to be uh, corrected to the citizenship of the parents. And so yeah. that's uh, that's that's critical also uh, to do that. But yeah, so these folks coming in here, this is an invasion. And here's the biggest problem though: is that when it you know something really bad happens and it's thrown at the door of Brandon, he's so mentally incompetent he's not going to acknowledge it. He won't know. I and mean, that's why I say Trump should ask him what year this is, uh, and that would prove that he has no clue what's going on. But this is Obama. This is the Obama mm-hmm. Muslim Brotherhood, Hamas, Iran, uh, communist, you know, Chinese. Um, view of how they want this country to run. They want they want to, us to be uh, you know have the power of of the Iranian theocracy combined with the power of the of the Chinese Communist Party. So they want to replace yeah. Americans that believe in freedom. And I absolutely agree with you there. Yeah, and so that that makes sense. So 100 million, you know, but all these people coming in here, but they have to go. Now we've had Christina Bob on the show. She's talking about massive deport deportations, and I'm saying that's good. Uh, and I, that yeah. I suggested that she take everybody, uh, all, you know, all the bureaucrats that, that, that are under arms, 287,000 bureaucrats are armed in the federal government. That's yeah. 12 I, divisions. That, that's that's think, over 12 divisions of soldiers. That's an army. Yeah. Well, so send them all over I to think, ICE and Border Patrol. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think the first thing we need to do is deport. All the ones running in office, ship them to Cuba, ship them to Venezuela, out of our country because they're traitors, they're criminals, they're, they're, they're stealing all our money for years and years and years, mm-hmm. and we're a bunch of slaves in America working for these criminals so they can give our money away. They've been mm-hmm. doing this for years and years and years and years. They give $256 million to Honduras every year and then most of that money come back in their pocket that's why these criminals never leave office never mm-hmm. once they get in they never get out and you know if you notice they went just by a tiny bit again because they're cheating they've been cheating all this time i did not know that this was going on for a long time and many americans do not know many americans are still blind 
uh, mm-hmm. blinded by the devil, still believing in, in, in the Democrats and some Republicans, of course, not all of them, uh, because my sales rep, he's a Jew. He's in love with Obama. He's in love with Biden still. I said, are you kidding me? Are you for real? He was here with me uh, uh, last week. He said, you're insane, Josie. You've been drinking the Kool-Aid all in your friends and all that. And, and we got into it when my husband jumped in, too. And <laughs> she's still blinded by by the demons. Because, see, the Bible describes it. You're going to see delusion. Not everybody's going to see the truth. Not everybody's going to be able because God is not going to allow it. So they're still sleeping. And there's still a lot of Americans sleeping. They don't know what's happening at the border. Uh, with the trafficking children, our government is trafficking the children. Those two little girls that this uh, Latina woman sent for her little girls to come alone with another lady, the other lady she was traveling with a kid, the little girls are in the hands of immigration, and every week for the last four weeks they've been giving her a different story. They're supposed to send the little girls to her house. And this is well organized by the lawyer paid by our tax dollars, that it was helping her uh, with her political asylum paperwork. He told her, oh, you got two kids in Honduras? Go ahead and send them. They can come send for them. And now they're in the hands of the probably child traffickers right now. And the little girls are six years old and eight years old. So that's why something new that I didn't know that was happening. Why, why would you mm-hmm. ever send your kids away from the parents? I mean, you know, you, 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 no one takes care of kids as well as the parents do. And, of course, some parents no, no, don't. We parents, know that. The mom is but, here in Alabama. Right? Mm-hmm. And the lawyer told her, go ahead and send for them to come back here to America, to come to America. And they were, they were being guarded and all that. And now the immigration is guarding her. And every week they're giving her a different song. Right, but uh, like, she should have oh, gone to Honduras have, and picked them up herself. That's what I'm saying. You never trust kids to be sent illegal. anywhere. She cannot travel. See? She she's illegal. She's doing her paperwork. Well, yes. then she shouldn't be here. She's been doing, exactly. She's doing her paperwork by by this lawyer being paid by our government because she don't have no money. Um right. So he's doing all her paperwork, and then he found out that she has two more kids, and he's part of the child trafficking. This lawyer, see? Yeah, I believe that's that. That's what I'm getting to. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes that. sense. So well, you know, and, but why mean. would you come to this country illegally? You know, I mean, uh, people say, well, the, and this better well, life yeah, argument, that, does, do that doesn't work. That, that's, that's, not a, that's not a valid reason to come here because everybody wants a better life. Nobody wakes up and says, give me a yeah. worse life. That's just human nature. But the idea that because everybody says it does not mean that, that that's, not, that's not an entrance to the United States. You know, the, the, the best thing that we could do, again, as I've said, is bring freedom and prosperity and, and get rid of corruption or help to get rid of it in other countries. Because every country can have what we used to have, which was a, a, yeah. a good middle well, we class. Yeah, right. That's why I say used to, right. Uh, so everybody, so we yep. have to fix our own country. We, we need to actually stop all immigration, not just illegal, but legal. We, you know, we need to, to put legal immigration um, to, to a minimal level, like a quarter million years, like a million now. But they feel, there's, a, there's a group called Numbers USA that if we really want to help this country, we need to, we need to start reducing uh, the, the, the population back to a reasonable number. We have way too many people in this country now. It's too crowded. The city's too crowded. You know, the land, look at even our own county here. It's too crowded. People are, are coming into our county like crazy. But that's just bad management. But quite honestly, the United yeah. States would be really good at about two, 200, 250 million people. That would be good. That would do it. You know? hey, and, so, and, and you know, mm-hmm. these Democrats hate Americans with a passion because you know what? 
they're doing the population control with these vaccines, with the abortions. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that my daughter uh, did not have a miscarriage. My daughter did a test that she was pregnant on the beginning of this year, uh, and she was pregnant, and she went to the doctor so they can check her and all that, and she said, oh, your baby is not good. It's growing outside. How can you tell it's not growing? It's only a month, but she's so dumb that she should have called me. I should have told her, don't go to the doctor. Just wait. And she went to the doctor, and guess what? They they convinced her that the baby was going to be growing in the outside of the fallopian tube and all that. They don't know mm-hmm. anything yet. I mean, she just got pregnant, for heaven's sake, maybe like not even two months. And they gave her all these pills. She didn't even know what it, what it was, and she took the pills. And before you know, the baby was coming out, the bleeding and all that, like uh, like what they do at the abortion clinics. Yeah, and that's I'm what sorry. the criminals are doing to depopulate, depopulate Americans. And the other thing is, if you're young, like one of the girls from Sumba, she had a cyst or something uh, bugging her. And the idiot doctors, they want to do hysterectomy on this young girl. And they did it on my other Sumba teacher, too, because of the lungs and the bleeding and all that from the shots. And you know what? That's what they're doing. They're convincing people to do the hysterectomy. And so money these people are evil and criminals. And they yeah. want to bring all these illegals to replace all the babies. They're dying. And they're being deformed, uh, being born from vaccinated moms. Every time mm-hmm. I go to the doctor, because I have a small cyst growing, but it's not cancer, it's nothing. It hurts once in a while, a little bit here, a little bit there. Mm-hmm. And every time I walk in, which I'm going to change this criminal doctor, he wants for me to remove my ovaries or take the whole thing out. I said, no, you're not oh, touching please. anything. No. Every time. Well, you know, every we have a bunch of wellness time, folks right? here. We have a bunch of wellness folks here. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, when Jim Thorpe used to be on the show, he's, the, he's like the world's greatest baby doctor. I love Jim you know. Thorpe. Jim Tharp's great. And what was interesting was he said, you know, you never give drugs to pregnant women. You never, I mean, we, we don't even want pregnant women to drink coffee. Okay. And yet they want to give all these drugs to pregnant women. That's insane. Oh, yeah. So I, th- I think, I don't think that they're thinking genocide so much because people don't want to think of themselves as evil. I think what it really comes down to is money. So that there's more money in a hysterectomy than, than in nutrition. There's more money in remdesivir and a ventilator than there is in hydroxychloroquine, yeah. which costs 20 cents a pill, as opposed to, you know, $150,000, you know, for killing somebody on a ventilator. So 20 yeah. cents, yeah. you know, versus 150000 they're, they're going where the money is because hospitals are for-profit businesses. Yeah. It's interesting how hospitals are non-profits, it, but even the non-profits the make same, money. Uh-huh. And the same office where I go for my gynecology for my year checkup and all that's what I usually do. Um mm-hmm. They have all these signs, like I shared with you before, to make sure that it's safe for a mom to get the COVID shots in every room, because I've been in different rooms. <laughs> it's crazy. They're but it's never safe. Convincing women. Oh, my gosh. It's just sad. It it's just breaks my heart. Yeah. Oh, no, it's listen, not every, a good every time, uh, office. Well, when I go to my doctor, it's like, you know, the last time I was there, it's like, well, it's time for your flu shot. You know, it's time for your annual flu shot. And I told you the story, right? I said, no, I said, that's impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they said, why? I said, because I've never had a flu shot. So, so to get an annual one's kind of a joke, right? <laughs> God, I didn't think it was funny. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And then my doctor yeah. tried to convince me to get the COVID shot. I said, you're insane. Well, I've got it. My family's got it. I said, that's not my problem. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at this guy going, I'm not going to say, I said, first of all, I've already had it. So I'm immune. Secondly, I wouldn't get it anyway. I'd rather have COVID, yeah. 
you know, being being the young, healthy person that I am, you know, then uh, then have a shot. Oh, by the way, my birthday's in two days. So you can you can sing uh-huh. when I'm 64. Do 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 do. Da 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 da. Yeah. I'm gonna be 64. Yeah, exactly. When Spring is your chicken. birthday? Thursday. This Thursday? Uh-huh. Oh wow. Yeah, I don't put it on you Facebook. You're a young so chicken. Okay. I am. Well, yeah. Well, you're 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 senior to me, but not by much. <laughs> what? Yeah. Months, maybe. You what? 61. Like 64. Oh, I'm 63 now. I'll be 64 oh. in two days. Yeah. But 63 I'm was a great year. Older year. Than you. Oh, yeah, but you look fabulous. You're so gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. I get anyway. five days a week Zumba, so you know what? I have to it is Zumba. With it. An attitude. Yeah. See, so you, you got a mission. So this is what old, keeps you young. Yeah. yeah, but what keeps yeah. you young is your as, mission. As you get old, you have to work hard, you know, because it's not easy to lose all this weight and oh, all this. Work on know. it. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I did a big bike ride. I, I've started uh, bike riding further. I keep extending my bike ride. So now, now I go from Milton all the way up to Whiting Field. I think it's about 17, 18 miles round wow. trip now. Oh, yeah. I can do it. That's pretty hey, good. It is. I thought so, too. Gym yeah. twice a week. So I'm, I'm in that's, good shape. 30 pounds. I'm, I'm, I'm Hello, there. Dilsey. How are you doing? Hey, there's Bianchi. Hey, <laughs> yeah. hey Bianchi. Buenos dias. Good morning. How are you? Oh, well, it's getting cold. I guess you call it uh, global warming, huh? <laughs> global warming. Uh-huh. Yankee's got a bunch of uh, posts, too, on, on the live chat if you want to get into those. Uh, I know it's Jesse's report, but uh, feel free to, uh, if you want to bring up any of that, Bianchi. Where, uh, where are you at, Bianchi? Missouri? Oh, I'm still down south. Hey, you know, south? I had to be told that uh, about... 1030, 1045, that yesterday was Monday. <laughs> I thought it was still Sunday. <laughs> Why, you got well, dementia? <laughs> no, he's retired. He doesn't, have a, he doesn't have a schedule. I know. I must. <laughs> That's the beauty of retirement. Although I'm, I'm enjoying my... But you know my, you're right re- about the immigration. The, 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 the people that... The, the people should refer to uh, the Bible verses when it speaks to that... How there will be a turnaround. Uh, yep. People, the friends yep. you let in will soon be your bosses. <laughs> yeah, look at in Chicago, they're they're making them cops. A lot of the illegals are being cops now. Oh. It is insane. It that's is like insane. that's yeah, like uh, putting Al Capone, you know, in charge of the IRS. <laughs> you know, that's, a, that's about it. Why would Actually, you make cops? I, I think the. I truly believe that the IRS are more criminal than the 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 the, the uh, uh, criminals uh, for Al Capone and all those. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're more criminals. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, with computers, for the most part, you don't really need an IRS. All you you know, when you're filing a tax return, they already have your information. Your employer's already sent it in, right? Or or the state's already sent it in, or someone's already sent. It. They already know everything. So the purpose of a tax return is just to, just to see if you're going to report honestly what they already know. So that's kind of stupid. Well. Right? We're so not people, supposed to be paying taxes. It's supposed to be volunteer. That's how it started it. And uh, the mm. IRS is like a money laundry. It's a money laundry bank. They, they, they want to put us in prison if you don't pay your taxes and all that while they're stealing all our money and, and doing whatever they want with it. That's exactly what's been going on. We're a bunch of slaves. The American life is work, work, work. You sleep to rest, to go to work, work, work to pay all the taxes to them. So we're working for the government, all of us, all of us. Yeah, but we can change that. For years and years and years. We're a bunch of slaves. 
Yeah. Well, let, let's go back to uh, let's go back to the fifties. Fifties were a decent time. We had a big middle class. You know, it took one income to support a family of four people. They had vacations. They had cars. They had they were buying houses. They could afford to live. Mm-hmm. So the fifties is like the model. And people say, well, that was that was uh, you know a sexist time where only the men worked. And, you know, forget, spare me all that stuff, okay? But in terms of economics, the fifties worked. If you could support a family yeah. on one person. A four-person family support on one person's income, yep. that's ideal. Okay? And I don't care which person it is or how they split the labor. But if, if one, you know, that's, that's the goal is a big middle class with one, person, with one person's income supporting a family of four. That's your goal. And it could be a bigger family. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's up to people. Um, uh, and, of course, if they do better, more kids, you know. But what you don't want to have is a welfare system that pays people per child. You don't want to have a system that, that encourages people to come here illegally. You know, so we could have a good system. So as far as the IRS, yeah. so let's talk about taxes for a minute because, you know, uh, taxes are for the necessary expenditures of government. And the key word there is necessary. Okay? So in other words, if it's not necessary, then the government shouldn't be collecting money or doing it. Is it necessary for the government to bring in millions of illegal aliens, pay for them, and take our tax dollars to do it? No. That's not a necessary function yeah. of government. Right. Okay. So the problem is not the IRS because you do need taxes. Okay. There is a certain level, not a high level, but there's a certain minimal level of taxation. So the roads get built, you know, the airports get built, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the infrastructure, uh, the country gets defended and that's pretty much it. So the main, if you look at the federal government, Dr. Walter Williams, when he was on the show, but you get the taxes from the sales of gas, tobacco for that. You can. Sure. I'm Mm -hmm. not talking about, look at, my home here, we pay so much tax over and over and over and over and over. I mean, come on. You should be able to pay tax one time for your house, and that's it. No more than that. Yeah. These people are criminals. Every time you sell your house, you have to pay them. Every time taxes, I mean, mm-hmm. it, is, it is out of control. Now you need a license to drive. You need a license to, wear, to, to, to go fishing. You need a license for marriage. You need a license for fly. You need a license for everything. Oh, well, oh, some oh, of them make sense and some like of them don't. To, to well, let's talk about, yeah, but let's talk about fishing, okay? So, in other words, if we overfished, if there was no controls, now I wouldn't give a license, but I would have a, a certificate and some kind of control and limitations. In other words, we if you limit certain species at a certain time. Well, that's, well nah, you didn't have as many nah, people nah. here either. You get right. all you want. Yeah, one of the biggest problems is overpopulation of this country. There, there are too many people here. You know, well, if we remove the illegal population, what's that? But before we didn't have any problems. You didn't have a license. You didn't have to have a license to go fishing. What is that? Heck, is that? This radical. Well, no, I don't want a license. I don't. I don't want government permission, uh, but I don't want to have things fished out. Like you, look, some of the problems. You know, like I'll it's tell you a perfect example. Be uh, out. Well, no, hang no. on a second. Let me tell you. Let me tell you a good example. Okay, so take California for example, or take Maine. The Maine lobster or the California Dungeness crab, okay? Those are both regulated with, by how much people can catch, all right? Um, and because of that, there's still a good amount of Maine lobster. Um, yeah, they did. Well, California's had it since the 1800s. They've always had restrictions on, on the Dungeness crab. You can only take the, uh, the male crabs. The females stay there for breeding. That's been around since the 1800s, that. and we have a huge crab population. Have any rules and regulation? Well, but wait a minute. Not all rules and regulations are bad. Like, so do you want do you want Russia and China and Japan coming in and fishing, you know, three miles off our shoreline? No, we don't want them. We're talking okay, about right. here in America. So, so, so we limit. They do it in. Uh, they do it in Somali. You mean to tell me you got to get a license to put up a, an American flag? 
No, I don't think so. I've never heard that. I thought she said that. No, I fishing. We're talking fishing, that. not fly. Yeah. Mm. But to, no, no, no see, I don't mind it. No, actually, a That's lot of times. food. Yeah. But <laughs> those fishing and hunting. <laughs> yeah. And here's the weird thing, though. The fishing and hunting licenses, the, the hunting licenses especially, pay for a lot of conservation. There's a huge, hunters are a huge source of wildlife preservation. It's a big scam. Mm, not necessarily. Well, let's take a pilot's license. Do you think the pilot should? I, I don't believe in a driver's license, but do you think the pilot should not have to have some kind of training? Well, the license fly. for a pilot is so you know how to fly, so you don't kill all these people, so you're qualified. Right. That's a little different than food. Okay. That's what's called. That's what's called a certificate. Okay. So, so I, I agree with you. I yeah. think there should be a, but not a license. I don't believe in a license to fly. The government doesn't give you permission, but you earn the you ability don't need to a fly. License to fly, but you have to be qualified. Right. Okay. So in other words, you, you, know you, earn, fly, you earn the ability. Right, hold on. So you earn the ability to fly by proving your competence, and that's how you get your certificate. Yeah. Well, driving should be the same way, okay? So I don't believe in a exactly. driver's license where the government can take it away or make you pay child support or, or have you sign up for the draft or things like that. That's the driver's license is used for all kinds of stupid things, restraining orders, you name it. You can't do that. It should not be a license, but a certificate, once you prove your ability that you can drive a car, go for it. And maybe do it every well, 10 years. Well, the driver's license is after you get uh, over 70, then the, the number of years that is good decreases. That makes sense. Yeah, but you only should have a driver's license if if you're driving for a big company. But if it's private, you should not have a driver's license. Period. Well, I agree with you. Well, I don't think you should ever have a driver's license. But what you should have is a certificate. In other words, show your competence. A certificate yeah, that you learn how to drive. The, yes. Yep, exactly. What about when you accumulate enough violations against your driver's license, then they suspend it? Well, but so you can, you can you enforce that. The other the, way? That, that's a really good point, Pianchi, because you can enforce that another way. It's like there's no reason to have a driver's license you know, to enforce traffic laws. You can enforce traffic laws the same way you enforce shoplifting. We don't have a license to shop, yet we have shoplifting laws. Right? Same thing with driving. If you, you can still give massive fines and jail time for violating the traffic laws, just like you can violating uh, the, the store theft laws, the shoplifting laws. So you don't need a license. There's to no do law that. for shoplifting right now. Well, but that's, that's a different story. But, but the, uh, what I'm saying is, the, okay, but that's, that's, that may not sound a good example, but the laws are on the books. So in other words, it's against the law to shoplift. It's against the law to go over the speed limit. So you can enforce that by, by jail time and fines the same way they enforce any other law embezzlement, you know, extortion, uh, any law they have, theft, you know, home robberies, things like that. Those laws are enforced. Uh, but, you, don't, you know, you don't have to have a, a – there's not a license involved. So driving – all the traffic laws can be enforced without a driver's license. There's no requirement to do that at all. You don't need it. You enforce it the same way you enforce all the other laws, fines and, fines and imprisonment. So taking away the driver's license wouldn't, it wouldn't be an issue. Uh, you would either fine people a massive amount or throw them in jail. If they violate the traffic laws, you don't need a license. You just need a certificate of competence to prove that you can do it. Right? Well, and the pilot, pilot should, see, but the pilot is a certificate also. Well, how about a gun certificate? You don't prove need anything can, to, to own a gun. You don't need nothing. Right, but with I know. The criminals, you do have to have all these uh uh, in, uh, what is uh, special uh, conceal and everything? 
No, we didn't have that in the past. No, we didn't. Never, never. Yeah. You could See, own guns a gun are a lot simple to, yeah, right guns to are own less a gun and carry yeah. it if you want yeah. to. Yep. See, so, so, so for the gun, I would not have a certificate because guns are pretty simple to operate, okay, as compared to, a, compared to an airplane or a car, but especially an airplane. Uh, so there's a lot more to flying an airplane than there is to shooting a gun, a lot more. So you don't need a certificate for a gun. You just have constitutional no, you carry. You want to get a gun, you carry a gun. If you're an idiot, you're not going to get any training. But if you're most reasonable people, will learn how to use one. If you don't, then there are laws that will affect you. So you don't need a certificate. You don't need a permit. You don't need a license. You don't need anything. You don't need anything. But if you, Right, but if you violate the gun laws, we enforce those the way we'd enforce anything else. Fines and imprisonment, right? Or asset forfeiture. That's how you enforce the law. But you don't need a, pre, you don't need a restraint ahead of time. So this is, what you're, this is the argument you're making, right? And I agree with you. I'm just clarifying it a bit. Make sense? Yeah, back in the old days, people don't have license. People didn't have mm-hmm. to go to a class. People didn't have concealed carry. I mean, what is that? Yeah, no, it's a bunch of nonsense. It's a way to stop gun ownership. Yeah, it's a, it's a way to restrain. Democrats. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's it's, exactly what's happening. And we need to stand and stop all this. And I hope soon everything's going to come to an end of all this corruption. And like I said, we need to ship all of the criminals that they've been stealing and putting on. We've been, all of us, not just black people, under slavery in America more than 150 years ago, Okay. Back then it was not as bad, you didn't notice, but now we're noticing and more people are waking up. These mm-hmm. Democrats and Republicans are no good. Mm-hmm. I agree. No, I would abolish not. both parties. I, I would not have political oh. parties uh, for people in office. All the, uh, all the Border Patrol uh, right now, they should be arrested. We need to go arrest them, all of them, because they're helping the illegals to come across. No, they're just they're following orders. They're cutting they're, the wires of some of the no. areas, you know, Greg. They're cutting yep. the wires so they can so they don't have to cut their arms and legs with the sharp wires, and they can come right across. Those people are working for us. Instead, they're working for the illegals, and that's oh, not I know. good. I agree with you. Yeah, the yeah. Now, now understand that they right under, All right, so understand that they are following orders. They are being told by the illegal Obama brand in government to cut those wires, okay? They can't, the, that, that is not a legitimate order. So the, so the proper thing for a border patrol person to do is say, I refuse to, to carry out this illegal refuse. order. And you, and you can't make Absolutely. me. And then they say, you're fired. Yeah. And they say, fine, I'll go work somewhere else Good. in government, but I'm not going to do this. So the proper thing to do for the border patrol yes, is to not carry out the illegal orders, but go to a different government department. Or leave government. That's the proper thing to do. The proper thing to do for doctors who are told you have to give remdesivir and ventilators to kill people is to say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'll go into private practice. I'll do something else. I'll go work in a clinic. I'll join the Peace Corps. But I'm not going to kill people on a ventilator. That was the proper thing to do. How many doctors did that? Very few. Some did. Only a, only a handful. The left right. uh, Sacred Heart and Baptist and West Florida. Well, West mm-hmm. Florida, no, but. Uh, they were not really in full force uh, demanding. <clears throat> but, you know, I met with this uh, nurse. She's my friend. And she's like, I'm, I'm just, I don't know what to do. How can I help? What can I do? Because she uh, works in one of the local hospitals. And uh, mm-hmm. she says, I'm seeing young girls full of cancer from the vaccine now. Mm-hmm. And she's seeing all this stuff that she told me. And, and she, she's a Christian girl. 
<clears throat> I said, you need to leave that hospital, I told her. You need to quit. That's what you need to do. You need to find another job. Or you need to yeah. report what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. She, she told me that pharmacies in the hospital mm-hmm. are controlling and telling the doctors what to do. She the said the doctors are. are not in control of prescribing anymore. She said some of the doctors in her hospital prescribe ivermectin, and the pharmacy is not letting them. The pharmacy is in control of the doctors. See, they should That's be fired. Exactly what yeah. she said. With a decent hospital administrator, those pharmacists will be fired because ivermectin works. We know it works. We just had to, did you hear my exactly. interview with Jenna McCarthy? Jenna McCarthy was just on Friday. She wrote the book with Pierre Corey on the war against ivermectin. She was just on the show. You know, mm-hmm. we we heard all about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so let's let's name names. Let's we've got we've got. So just we'll just take Pensacola as a, as a case study, right? You've got Baptist, you've got Sacred Heart, and what's the other, West Florida? Those are like the three big hospitals around here. I believe uh, Sacred Heart is one of the most criminals in our town. The okay, well, this is what I'm getting West to. Florida, right? And the third one is Baptist. So so yes. which one which one do you think killed the most people on remdesivir ventilators? Uh, Sacred Heart. Okay. It's the number I mean, one. It's the number two. We don't know. Sure. I mean, we're, spe- we're, we're, we're in speculative territory, but you're you're in the hospital area, so you would know. So, so you think Sacred Heart probably the killed the most people? Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, and we're not saying the nurses wanted to do this. We're not saying the doctors wanted to do this. But the the net effect of the of the hospital administrators adopting government policy was that remdesivir ventilators killed more people. Kill people in Sacred Heart, okay? So, so we, yeah. you, you know that. All right. So what's the next hospital? Yeah. West Florida. What's the situation there with remdesivir ventilators? Uh, same thing. Same thing. They, they killed one of my friends. He's a 52-year-old man from my church. They okay. started, he, was about, he was about to get out. He was good. We sent him a car. He was reading all his car and everything. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, uh, I cannot say what I know what they did because I don't want right. to be in a lawsuit or anything. No, no, no. But they that. did something for him to go in a panic mode. Mm-hmm. The nurse left because I was talking to the nurse of his, of him, mm. and she was telling me personally step by step what they did, and I cannot say a few things because, like I said, I don't want to get into it. No, um, we don't want you to. Either. So yeah. this guy, this guy was about to be released. He was doing pretty good. And they did something. The nurse left for her night shift. Uh, and then in the morning when she came back, he was hooked to a ventilator. And he was about mm-hmm. to be released. Okay? Yep. And she goes, what the heck? Where's my patient? He said, oh, he didn't do too well. And then she found out exactly what they did to cause him to panic. He went into a panic mode. And I cannot mm-hmm. tell you what they did. I can tell you privately uh, what they did. And instead of giving him something to calm him down and putting him to sleep, they put him in a freaking uh, ventilator to kill him. That's what she told me, the nurse. Well, that's what the money is. Okay. Yeah. So uh, whatever they did, like I say, you don't have to tell me what, but what they did to make him panic, was that reversible with drugs or something or just, you know, tell him, give him some counseling? Okay. Of course. So this is is murder. Okay. So this is is murder pure and simple. All they needed to do, Greg. All they needed to do was give him something to calm down or give him a sleeping pill or whatever to take mm-hmm. care of him and put him to sleep. The next day he would have been fine, okay? Yep. Instead, they did it on purpose. I know they did. That's what the nurse told me. Well, this is, and, what, the, this is what the history is, so I believe you because I've heard this case. Yeah. You know, so my, my webmaster, 
our webmaster was killed by a uh, remdesivir ventilator. Yeah. I, I know all about it. So, <laughs> you know. so some of the nurses were telling me, mm-hmm. not just West Florida, that they hide all the oxygen machines, the oxygen, okay, mm. which a lot of people, a lot of people could have been on an oxygen to calm them down from their breathing, from the poison in their lungs, from the from the COVID, okay? Mm-hmm. Right. Give them ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, high dosage injected of vitamin C, which that was <laughs> supposed to be the some of the case. Instead, right. they started giving them remdesivir to shut down their kidneys and then yep. to put them in the ventilator. So five mm-hmm. to seven days with remdesivir and then hooked into the ventilator to kill you. So yeah, and here's what tragic, happens for... No, go ahead, finish. Mm-hmm. It's a tragic what happened to our friend and our church, and I know step by step what they did at West Florida. <clears throat> and the okay. stupid wife, I think she wanted him dead because, first of all, when she rushed him to the hospital, I said, please, do not allow any rendezvous. Do not allow any ventilator. Well, guess what? They, she allowed everything that I told her not to. Yeah? Yep. And then I have, I talked to her. I said, you need to sue them. And they're not even listening to me. I talked to the son. I talked to this one. My daughter goes, Mom, I think, I think she wanted him dead. And you know mm-hmm. what? My daughter, sometimes kids come out with stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. I said, you know what, honey? I think you're absolutely correct. She wanted him yeah. out, of, out of her life. Mm-hmm. So yep. anyway. Go ahead. Well, but, but that's just one case. But here's, here's how it works. So for the folks that don't know, it's pretty well documented all over that remdesivir causes kidney failure. Uh, it's a failed Ebola yep. drug. It killed over half of the, of the test volunteers to, who took remdesivir. They died. So why would yep. you put a drug on them? Why would, you put it, why would you require a drug that killed over half of the people in the test? That proves it doesn't work. It's dangerous. <laughs> it means really dangerous. So what it does is it causes kidney failure. They call it renal failure, but it's kidney failure, which means you know the the body fluid that that usually comes out from the kidneys ain't coming out. You know, so it's it's staying in your system. And where does it go? It goes into your chest cavity. It's just disgusting, but that's what happens, right? So you got all this yeah. fluid in your chest. So and I had remember I told you my story when I had fluid in my chest after my heart surgery, right? Blood and everything else that was in there, and I, I almost died, you know, because of mm-hmm. blood thinners. So I got blood thinner. So I was fine after the hospital surgery. I was recovering. I, I was walking. You know, I, I did all the right things. You know, and then they gave me blood thinners and so I wouldn't get a stroke. And I said, well, I guess that's part of the, 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 you know, the protocol, right? As it turns out, that's only for people who are inactive. The only people who are at risk of a stroke after heart surgery are inactive. And I was the most active person, you know, probably they've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. there was no reason for me to be on blood thinners. So then when my chest filled with uh, four and a half liters of fluid, four and oh, a wow. half liters of fluid my right lung was completely hmm. collapsed and my left lung was halfway collapsed that's when i went to the hospital yeah. <clears throat> all right so this is we're talking you know this is this is this would have been you know covid you know this oh you got covid man you got to go on a ventilator if they put me on a ventilator it's, instead of draining the fluid out i'd be dead right now yeah there'd be no be action dead. radio none of this would be, i'd be dead they would have well, killed me but because i went yeah. to the hospital in 2016 instead of 2020 you know they were still saving people right because there was more money yep. in saving people than killing people. So somewhere along the way, yep. somewhere around 2017, 18, they changed the protocol where they took away the malpractice and they, they added uh, death. They made, it, they made death profitable and life less profitable. When I was in the hospital, it was still more profitable to save, people, save me. So here I am. 
Mm-hmm. But I still remember that six-inch mm-hmm. needle going into my back to drain that fluid out. I'll never forget that. Yeah. And that wow. was because of blood thinners. Now, I know it was blood thinners because the minute I stopped blood thinners, I was fine. No fluid came back into my chest. Okay? Go figure. Right? And this is one of, I still hear that. Well, you should go back on blood thinners. <laughs> you know, I, I won't use the expletive that's coming to no. mind right now, but you, you know exactly what I'm thinking, right? And so, yeah. so, so, so what they did. But here's the difference. So in my case, right, same symptoms, chest full of fluid. They drained the fluid out. Now, when they gave remdesivir, you'll notice that nobody had the fluid drained out of their chest. Well, why wouldn't they do mm-hmm. that? That's the most logical thing. To do. If your chest is full of fluid, right? So, what does the ventilator do? Kill you. Yeah. Yeah, because it blows up your lungs. Because your lungs are already exactly. compressed from fluid. So you got the pressure of the fluid compressing your lungs. And I you know, know what Greg, it feels like. Greg, Go ahead. That's what they did with my friend from church. They blew up both of his lungs. Of course. So you've got the pressure of the ventilator pushing the lungs against the pressure of the fluid. Yep. That's what that's what the nurse told me. They blow up both of his lungs. Right. So the lungs. Right. Yeah. So the lungs and the heart collapse under the strain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've got two things working against each other. It's like standing on the accelerator and the brake of your car. What happens? Your wheels spin, they blow up, and your engine blows up. Okay. That's what happens. Yeah. Full accelerator, mm-hmm. full brakes. You know, you're spinning your wheels and your engine blows up. Okay? Well, that's what happens to a person. If you have air forced in by a ventilator and fluid forced in from remdesivir into the same chest cavity, mm-hmm. now I'm not a doctor, but I'm smart enough to know that that's going to kill you. Yeah. yeah. So, the do- so if, I'm, if I'm smart enough, to, if you and I are smart enough to know that and we're not doctors, that means the doctors knew that too, which makes it even worse. They knew that if you put air in from a ventilator and fluid in from, mm-hmm. ven- from remdesivir, they're going to fight each other in the chest, and the lungs and the heart are going to collapse and die. They knew that. And you know, so, and you know this, this nurse that was telling me everything, this young, she, was a, uh, she just graduated, this nurse, so I guess she was mm-hmm. nervous telling me everything. And then, and then when she came back the next time, she acted like if she didn't know me, and I acted like if I didn't know her because she was scared to death because of all the stuff she told me. Right. You know what Someone I mean? Talk to I, her. I, I, acted, I ignore it like if she was somebody else. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, she was also telling me that a lot of these people using the ventilator, they were learning how to use the ventilator because they didn't have enough help. Okay? So mm-hmm. this is another thing, too. And, and now, if you notice, uh, oh, and also, also the doctor that was attending my friend, he quit because his son, I told him, I said, please, you need to get him out of there and all that. So they got an, a doctor from outside, and the doctor quit because uh, I guess uh, he knew what was coming, you know. He didn't want to be part mm-hmm. of it. So he quit with that patient. He said, I don't want to longer take care of that patient. So they switched doctors, and the new doctor really ordered to kill him in the ventilator, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, but what's happening is that uh, a lot of the nurses know exactly what's going on, mm-hmm. and they're keeping hush because they're getting extra money. Uh, some of the nurses were getting twelve to $1,500 extra for paycheck. This is the COVID unit uh, nurses only, of course, not of every course. nurse. And, no. and the doctors and killing all these people, they were getting up to $3,500 uh, extra bonus on their paycheck. And they love it. 
It's all about the money. Well, here's the thing, so, though. Yeah, because now if you're a nurse, if you're a career nurse, let's say you've got uh, 10, 15 years in, you've got a couple of kids, you know, you've got a mortgage, mm-hmm. you've got bills to pay, you're, you're, you're locked into the system, right? And so you can't just quit. You know, until you've got, uh, you know, uh, doctors, nurses, you know, they've all got husbands and wives, you know, and they're probably working Mm -hmm. too. And so once you're in the system, people are like, I can't just quit my job. You know, I'll lose my house. I'll lose this. I'll lose that. Okay. Well, Mm -hmm. but that's the pressure. And I understand that. That's actually a real concern, you know, but uh, Mm -hmm. younger people who are just starting out, they can quit because they don't have all that yet. Right. If you're fresh out of college, ideally, unless you're already married and have kids, but ideally people coming out of college are single. They're starting their career. They're going to build some income, then get married and have kids. Right. So that early in the system, they could go to a different department. They could go to, you know, the broken bone department, whatever that's called, you know, or they can go somewhere else or they can go to pediatrics Mm -hmm. or something. They don't have to be in the COVID wards, but the, the, the longer term people and those that are just about to retire, you know, they're going to follow orders because they want to get their retirement. But you know, Greg, the uh-huh. sad part about a lot of these doctors that I personally know, a lot of them got the COVID shot. A lot of them got the COVID shot. They were See, that was to. stupid, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, but this young what? guy from Colombia started working in one of these hospitals. He did not know. He was too busy trying to get his exam and trying to get everything. He didn't see the video. He didn't see nothing. And when he first started working for this hospital, I did all his lab work. I talked to him, and he said, what? They forced me to get the shot in college, and I was graduating and studying. I didn't have time. I, I don't know anything about it, he goes. And uh, there's a few doctors that I know about this. Uh, right now, as we speak, they're full of blood clots in their lungs. And if you notice, when you go to a doctor now, there's a lot of physician assistants, a lot. Oh, that's interesting. Every nurse is turning into be a physician assistant all of a sudden. Because they know what's coming is a lot of the real doctors that did all the killing will be arrested, including the CEOs of all the hospitals. Donald Trump is going to go after them, and I hope he does. So every time you go to a doctor, you don't see a real doctor anymore. You see all the physician assistants. The reason I know because I do all the lab codes, okay, or most hospitals. Uh, it's, uh, it's insane. It's insane. And a lot of... A lot of the CEOs, they have stepped down, and they, they're they still working uh, behind closed door, you know, like in the background, but they have mm-hmm. the new CEO up at the front. It happened at West Florida. It has been a, a Baptist hospital. Uh, I don't know what happened in uh, Sacred Heart. The the CEO at Baptist hospital, he's still working there, but somebody's handling everything, and the same thing's going on at West Florida too, you know. And uh, West Florida... One of the uh, uh, leaders, a uh, big head hunter there, uh, one of the nurses was telling me she was disgusted. I said, what happened? She said, I can't believe it. This woman came in front of all of us, and she says, I'm so-and-so. Uh, I'm married to my wife, and I'm gay. And the nurse goes to me, I didn't want to know that crap. That's your private life. You're here mm-hmm. to, to introduce yourself. So she said, I that because of that reason, I think I'm going to quit. And she was upset. <laughs> but uh, they don't care. They don't care anymore. So yeah. anyway, so one of my friends that we were very close from West Florida, she doesn't talk to us and her husband anymore because I'm against all the vaccines, all vaccines. 
okay? I did not yep. know about the COVID vaccines, how, how they were going to kill people and all that. And we had arguments before about vaccines in the past. And uh, she works there. She has a top position of West Florida. So she don't speak to us now and her husband because when we celebrated my husband's uh, birthday uh, last year, uh, her uh, husband was vaccinated a few days before that birthday. And uh, my girlfriend asked her husband, did you get the vaccine? And he goes, yes, but don't tell Josie. And guess what? The very oh, next no. day, he had a heart attack. Yeah. Oh, he had God. a heart attack, and and actually, he had open heart surgery. Yeah. And uh, that's why they don't speak to us, because uh, we were right and they were wrong. And uh, that's where we at as a friendship now, because they know we were telling the truth. And we send them some videos, and they never reply. And so that's where we at. And my husband yesterday was talking to one of our friends, and she's about 81 years old, very uh-huh. active uh, yep. woman, friend of ours. And her dementia is out of control, and we tried to help her, and my husband went over everything, and the poison and this and everything growing, her DNA changed, and we were trying to convince her to get the uh, chewing gum, the nicotine. Right. And she was afraid to even put a little piece of gum in her mouth and I made her to yesterday because her dementia is, is getting worse and worse and worse. So that's what's happening to the old folks in the United States. The dementia is hitting so bad because the government wanted all the old folks to get the COVID shot first so mm-hmm. they can erase the memory of the old folks to tell the children, grandchildren about America and that's why they well, it's also cheaper. You know, older people cost first. more money. Older people, no, yeah. they've earned the. You know, they have all the collective wisdom. But uh, yeah, so I was just looking up uh, a couple things as we're talking here. The physician's desk reference. You know, that's that's where all the doctors go to get drug information, right? Guess what's yes. not in there? Anything on COVID vaccines? I looked through. I did the search for the entire physician's desk reference. So doctors can't look mm-hmm. up the COVID vaccine in their primary source, the physician's death reference, right? Mm -hmm. I did find it under Mm -hmm. drugs.com, but most of this is a lie. Okay. So drugs.com, here's what it says. The Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine uh, is a vaccine made by Pfizer and BioNTech that may help your body develop immunity to SARS-CoV-2. May. This is may right there. Mm -hmm. Drugs.com. Says the vaccine may help. Well, that if it may help, it means it may not help. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. the virus that causes COVID nineteen. Uh, they say it's FDA approved. That's a lie. It's authorized under an emergency yes. use authorization, but it has not been approved. This is for adults and adolescents aged twelve years, and also has emergency use authorization for children six months to eleven years. So why would it be approved for adults over twelve, but only as an emergency for children six months to eleven years? What would that emergency be? Hmm. You know, really? there is no, you know, unless they already have That's COVID and, and, and the young people don't get sick from COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It says, this is this, is, this updated vaccine. Yeah. Isn't this great? It says this updated vaccine contains spike proteins well, and trials have shown to substantially uh, improve responses against the variants. Yeah. That's a bunch of not, then it has warnings. Contraindicated, yeah. which means not indicated. That's, that's doctor talk, right? In people who have had severe allergic reaction, such as anaphylaxis, to any component of the Pfizer vaccine. So for people who have been allergic to the Pfizer vaccine, don't get another one. 
Duh. <laughs> I didn't I didn't need a website to tell me that. Yeah. This is post marketing data. Post marketing data has revealed there is an increased risk of myocarditis and pericarditis, particularly within the first week following vaccination. That alone should have taken it off the market. Right? Those are both yeah. fatal conditions. Absolutely. Right? And, and this is right there, drugs.com. I'm reading right from the drugs.com website. It, it, warning. <laughs> you know, it causes something that's fatal, and yet it's still on the market. This is the, here's, this is the scary it, part. It, the high, go ahead. What was the question? What are you going to say? What, what really, really bothers me is no one, no one at all has said we're not going to move forward given this vaccine. Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. one. No mm-hmm. one. It is sad. And yet the information's They're right here. They're continuing to kill people. Yeah. You know. oh, and, yeah. But I'm reading right from drugs.com. Anybody can look this information up. It's right here. So there's yeah. no, they can't say they didn't know. Okay, because you and I were not mm-hmm. doctors. We haven't been through med school. We haven't had all the training, and yet no. we know more than they do, right? Simply because we look well, the I stuff up. Yeah, I know you know a lot. It gets worse. I was in dentistry. It, I know a lot of the meds and all this stuff. So, oh, yeah. God, yeah. That's a whole other thing. And everybody yeah. that we, has a root canal will have a heart attack, okay? <laughs> really? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, eventually, yeah. If you have a root canal, you will have a heart attack. Oh, yeah. Well, I've been able to avoid those, fortunately. Had a couple of extractions, but yeah. that's another story. Um, that's because I had an alcoholic dentist. My, my you know, mommy dearest sent me to a drunk dentist, and she drilled my teeth too much. But that's, that's my own personal. Anyway, here's, well, here's a, this is. going to the, go ahead, hmm? go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. So, it's, here's, so here's the, this is still under the warnings. Drugs.com for the COVID vaccine. It says the highest observed risk for the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine is males aged. 12 years through 17 years of age. Probably the healthiest population in the country, right? It says it right here. The highest observed risk Mm. for the vaccine is males, 12 to 17. Why? Because they get heart attacks. Because men don't have the same protection. I I guess women have estrogen, which protects your heart better. But but males, age 12 to 17, that's that's teenage. Those are some of the healthiest years of your life. You know? And so so that'll... And yet... They say it's authorized. They say right above here, it's authorized um, for people, what does it say, 12 and above or something like that? Uh, I don't this know. Is, you know it says, this vaccine is FDA approved, which is a lie, for adults and adolescents aged 12 years. So, they, so in one sentence, they say it's authorized for 12, 12 and above, right? And the next sentence, it says the greatest risk is for those 12 and above, males. Same website. Yeah. Yeah. What? It's sad. They have mm-hmm. to stop this killing, Greg. Yeah, they do. I mean, no one yeah. has done anything. The doctors should team up and say, enough is enough. Isn't Fauci gone? Say that again? Pian- no. Was that it, was it? What? It, I thought Fauci, Fauci was gone. Well, well, he's never gone until he's literally gone. <laughs> you know, he's still there because he's still, he's still making money. He doesn't care. He's still directing things. You know, he's not actively working for the government anymore or against, you know, against the people. Mm-hmm. But he's still around. I think he's, he's working for some university or something like that. But he is the most evil man on the planet yeah. because he has no soul. He has no conscience. He has, uh, he's, pure, he's like Dr. Mengele uh, and Joseph Goebbels combined into one. He's, the, he's, he's mm-hmm. the evil of the Nazi doctor combined with the Nazi propagandist. He does both jobs. Yeah. He's an evil, sick man. But, but, but look what we just did this morning. You know, it, it didn't take me, what, 30 seconds to pull up drugs.com? 
you know. Yeah. And I was doing it during the show while I was listening so, to you too. Yeah. So this is the information is not hard to find. It's there, but the doctors aren't looking wow. at it. They're not. They're not. See, that's the problem. And like yeah. I said, a lot of the doctors that I spoke to, they're fully vaccinated. They are. It's insane. You mean, you mean they're fully oh injured? Gosh. They're fully vaccine injured. I so know. why would so why would they even look this up for themselves? What's wrong with the doctors? Do they have no curiosity at all? Mm-hmm. Think yep. about that. You know. They don't have time. I noticed I noticed one of the people somebody big in our church, uh she came to my store and uh she's like doing this twitch like Parkinson, the beginning of Parkinson. Uh-huh. I was like, Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Oh. Wow. Yep. Yep. Parkinson, dementia, schizophrenia. The girl that was working for me. Her mom was a nurse in the hospital, fine. And the next year, she was like a vegetable, schizophrenia, bipolar. She wanted to kill her kids. She had to remove the kids from the house because they were living together with mom. Uh, it was it was insane. In one year, this woman, she turned into a lunatic. Yeah. From the COVID shot. Because How many of the double shots and the boosters. Oh, yeah. God. It is, it is sad what's happening to the American people. And like I said, it's not the truth is not for everyone, okay? Not for everyone, and there's, there are blinded. The one nurse was telling me this lady has has uh, has about six boosters so far, six, and crazy. Greg, I got a lady at the door. They're coming to inspect my roof, okay? And uh, I'm gonna Great take report. off. This is Josie reporting for Action Radio. We'll see you next week. God bless you, everyone, and be safe, and don't take any shots. Don't take any shots, absolutely. Thanks, Josie. Appreciate it. God bless you. Bye-bye. God bless you, too. All right, we'll take another quick break here, and we're going to start with more information. Uh, That was fascinating. Uh, It's called the Latina Report, but (laughs) I don't know if we talked about anything Latina even close. That's okay. I got Pianchi in the line, so I'll be back with him, and we'll talk uh, more stuff here in, uh, in just a bit. Do you know your way around healthcare? Insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care. Better health through better knowledge and advocacy. And, of course, we're going to, uh, I'll be talking more about sponsors um, because of our new Citizen Legislation Day, which I'll remind you of uh, in just a bit. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60-second spots available for your announcements. And we have three-minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. 
think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. All right, back to news chat. Got uh, well, a little bit less than an hour left in the show. I got Pianchi on the line, uh, who hasn't had much of a chance to try talk. He's kind of been on <laughs> chat talk, <laughs> been on hold uh, for for a while, and then he's just been listening to Josie and I uh, kind of go over COVID again. So the Latino report, it's kind of like the Josie. I should rename it the Josie report. <laughs> this has very little to do with uh, with uh, Latin America at this particular time, but that's okay. Pianchi, uh, sir, what do, what do you think so far? Anything, uh, any issues you want to uh, raise at this time? Well, I think Jordan will probably What's become that? speaker. I okay. think Jordan will probably become speaker. I talked about that a little in the first hour. My concern is that the deep state doesn't want him because they want a rhino. They want somebody that's going to be compliant. They want uh, Kevin McDeep deep state or somebody else. So I hope he becomes speaker. He'd be by far the best person to become a speaker. <clears throat> I mean, he's liked by a whole lot of folks. He's tough. He's fair. He actually would investigate things that need to be investigated. But um, the deep state's going to want someone, they're going to want a mush brain. They're going to want another Paul Ryan. They're going to want another uh, uh, John Boehner. They're going to want another Kevin deep state. They're going to want somebody else. So what do you think of the possibility that uh, they'll sort of say, oh, yeah, he's probably going to get it, and then he misses by like one or two votes? What do you think of the possibility well, of that? Well, it goes and shows you that you still have this dissent, and you have these argumentative figures that uh, want to work out some sort of deal and uh, you know working a deal out before you make an appointment is about like having a bill with a title but when you look into it there's a dozen titles yeah. and uh, it's the problems that we continue to have and only the people can straighten that mess out but I doubt if they got the mental capacity to do so 
Well, it's not. The, I don't think it's the mental capacity. I think it's the, the most people believe they're powerless. And the whole point of the show is to say that you're not powerless. But it's going to take a lot of people to working together to prove it. And all folks have to do is is send in you know bills that uh, that will fix these situations, or send our show to enough people and get that get our opinion out there, uh, and we can change all kinds of stuff. You know, the 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 government's disinformation board was was killed very quickly by public pressure. You know, a lot of things are killed very quickly with public pressure. You know, public pressure was against the student loans. I mean, they try and sneak it in, but uh, against, uh, um, you know, revoking student loans against, you know, what I call graduate student welfare. You know, rich people who took out rich loans so they could go to rich graduate schools. Uh, people objected to that pretty strongly. So, you, you know, so public pressure does have an impact. It has a huge impact. But uh, there's also well, the fact that... The, rich but in people the, now. What's that? I'd say it wasn't just rich people. You have uh, the problem with a lot of this is that kids aren't being prepared for higher education, and they're not able to carry the load in a given amount of time normal, normally. So that's where a lot of the problem comes on. You had yeah, affirmative you... action that was letting in kids into schools to take up courses that they weren't prepared for and could not uh, – wasn't going to perform well at, um, and yeah. it became damn near a habit. No, I agree, but I think with the undergraduate degree, uh, a lot of those are pretty affordable. Like I went to the University of Massachusetts. Uh, it was fairly inexpensive. I was able to work my way through school. I worked for the student government as a lobbyist. You know, that's where I got a lot of my training for what I'm doing here, strangely enough. <laughs> Who knew? Um, but I also, uh, I never had student loans. I worked in the summertime, right? I had, uh, I had a lawn mowing and airplane washing business for a couple of summers. I made a good living. I was able to support myself in school, paid for my, all my room and board, paid my tuition, paid for all my books. I paid for everything. Still had some spending money, um, but I worked, you know, all year. I worked at the Christmas holiday. I worked at the summer holidays, and I worked through school. So I never had a student loan. You know, but, it, but school well, was, you know, but, that's but the, way at that, that level, but at that level, it was pretty affordable because it was a state university. Now, if I went to Harvard, you know, but I don't value Harvard education anymore considering what they've done with, uh, with Hamas and things like that. So Alan Dershowitz was is just, just, you know, castigating um, Harvard University and just condemning them for their support for Hamas and things like that. And what he said was, was really interesting. He says, these, I said, schools like Harvard and Yale train America's leaders. They're going to be in government. They're going to be running corporations. And I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe they should be training America's leaders. Maybe they should be defunded. If they're that politically stupid and dangerous and cruel and ignorant, uh, then maybe they shouldn't. We shouldn't look upon these schools as, as producing the leaders, which goes again to the loans. So if the student loans are being given to colleges that are, that are teaching really stupid, horrible stuff, maybe you should – well, first of all, the government should be in, in the loan business anyway. The schools should. They should be funding their own student loans. But most of the people that get student loans are for the wealthier schools, like the Harvards, the, the private schools, and for graduate school, uh, law school, medical school, things like that. That's where the big student loans are because those are the jobs that make the big money. So you're not well, talking you about two, you still have you still have a lot of that going on at the bachelor's level too. And yeah, when probably. you take a bachelor's degree program that's designed for four years and it's taking six years because the student wasn't prepared for the rigors of the course that they have, mm-hmm. then they take in courses that even if they come out in the, the given amount of time, the business uh, that they can go into don't pay enough to pay off the loan. Yeah, oh, I understand He's that. Like well, the, culinary right. arts, a librarian assistant. <laughs> yeah. 
Look at look at flight school. You know, how much does it cost to go through flight school compared to how much you can make as a flight instructor? It's pitiful. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, who was it criticized Harvard? They should have criticized Harvard when they had their affirmative action program where they were spotting students yep. with points before they even sat down to take the test. That's when mm-hmm. they should have been criticized, but oh, no, can't do that. No, but that's a, that. But that's a different issue. But uh, you know, I, but I'm just as much. See, I don't have a problem with student loans. I have a problem with someone else paying student loans. You know, the person that took out the loan—that's a contract, right? So you live up to your contract. That's part of being a responsible adult. If you have problems, then you renegotiate the contract. But you don't—you don't have someone else pay for it. Who went to, you know, became a plumber's apprentice and then became a plumber and is making a six-figure income. You don't have them pay for the fact that you, you know, left your philosophy master's or doctorate program, you know, because you wouldn't have been qualified to do anything when you graduated anyway. That's not the plumber's problem or the electrician's problem or, or the construction, you know, worker or engineer's problem. That's not any of that kind of stuff. So the, you're absolutely right. That's one of the things you need to research is, the, is the student loan going to be paid off? People may choose to do it anyway just because they want to And that's from bad but, uh, counselors you know. at your school, too. Oh, Counselors yeah. not serving the student right. They suck. Counselors I had in my high school, I was in Lexington, Massachusetts, they sucked. They're probably old. I'm sure they're old by now, but they sucked. <laughs> they get nothing bad about it. And, and we all agree. In fact, my fellow high school students, we said, I said, we can't go to our guidance counselors. They're, they're lying. They're terrible. They have no idea. And they don't care. They're making a huge amount of money. So the, the less time they spend with students, the better. They're, they're just there to read books and pontificate and, and make money and retire. That's, that's what our counselors are for. I had no use for guidance counselors. The last thing you get from a guidance counselor is guidance. It's really sad. Anyway, let's yeah. go back to Speaker. Let's talk about Speaker Jim Jordan for a second because the vote's going to be in about three hours, I mean, two hours, about two hours from now, uh, is when they'll be they're taking this vote up. So, so I think I'm hoping Jim Jordan becomes Speaker. What I think's going to happen, my my cynical side says that he's going to lose by like two votes. That they're going to get to just enough rhinos, and they're going to have to uh, uh, they're going to have to pick. You know, they're going to force the conservatives to settle for the next, you know, Kevin McCarthy, someone else. That's what I think might happen. Now, I'm hoping it doesn't. I, I'm hoping that Jim Jordan becomes speaker. But my worry is that the deep state has so much invested in making sure that the speaker controls the House that if you had a Jim Jordan as speaker, you wouldn't be able to control Jim Jordan. That's the difference. That's why I'm worried. Well, makes sense. we'll have to see what happened there. Okay. Well, let me go another step down because he was sick. He shouldn't be in a stressful position, and he's trying to fight off a disease that thrives off of the conditions that stress presents in a human being. So let's see yeah, what happens. God bless, Steve. God bless Steve Scalise. He got shot, and now he's got cancer. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's a lot. That's a lot for one person. Either one of those separately is a lot, but together, yeah. But that doesn't mean that you should be speaker. See, that's the problem. Well, let me, let's take up another, let's go back to the issue we were talking about before Josie was here. Uh, and that is the idea that uh, somehow uh, this attack by Hamas was an intelligence failure on our side and on Israel's side, because I don't buy it. I don't buy it for a second. What do you think? Well, yeah, I think it was a, a, a failure on the Israel side. They supposed to have 
the best intelligence in the world. After all, Nigeria was trying to get them to help them with their intelligence in order to fight off Boko Haram, Mm -hmm. and Obama told them not to help them. They went to Brazil for uh, their technology. Obama told them not to give it to them. Obama's done more damage to this country, and he's still running things behind the scenes. You know, I call it the Obama, you know, Brandon, you know, insurrection for a reason. You know, we just reported, I was reporting earlier the connections he had to Muslim Brotherhood. Muslim Brotherhood set up Hamas. Um, Bonnie's looking into, for tomorrow, Obama's connections to Iran, direct connections. Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, why else would he want to give them nuclear weapons and give them billions of dollars, knowing that they fund Hamas uh, and, and ISIS and other groups? Hezbollah. Why would he do that unless he hates Israel and hates America? Doesn't make sense, right? Well, I don't think they hate Israel people. I think they hate the Zionists, like I put in the story. You know, Uganda was the first choice. It was discussion that these white European males are going to go on Uganda and say that we are the lost tribe and all that craziness among a a population of 100% black faces. They know that wouldn't work. Wait a minute. Explain they that. What, what is this Uganda? I think you wrote about that in one of your uh, posts here. But, uh, Uganda, here's what I, I don't know much about Uganda. I know they had the uh, that they hijacked an Israeli airplane, and the Israeli commandos went in, including uh, I think uh, what's his name Netanyahu's brother, who got killed in that raid, if I remember right, the Entebbe raid in Uganda. That's what I know about. Yeah, it. Yeah, I know that the, like that. right. But the, dictator, the thing is, is that Idi Amin Dada. the discussion, yeah, the discussion, well, uh-huh. Dada was was uh, Idi Amin. Right. So Idi Amin, and, what does Dada mean? Does that mean president or something or what? So Idi Amin was was the dictator of Uganda. That's what I know about Uganda. Well, he was the president of Uganda. People voted well, like him in. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. So. Okay, so so, so he wasn't. Was, did he act as a dictator? Or did stop he using those slogans like that. Uh, one report you wrote that the article was written. They used terms like cave dwellers. That's racist. Hmm. If you want to look yeah, at it. Is. Yeah. Oh, that's, hey, listen. Good for pointing it out. Yeah. No problem. Um, I think they're referring to Arabs because they talk about Osama bin Laden as a cave dweller because that's where they found him in a cave. But you know, so. But let's talk about Uganda. So what it was? So what is this? Uh, You've got here, you've got the genesis of Israel, you've got the Jewish state, you've got other things. Where, how does Uganda fit into this? It's a myth story that Uganda is the missing seventh tribe of something of this sort. I thought it was All 12. these mythical stories, mythical story about Abraham, mythical stories about the floods, the Noah's Ark and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. just like anything else. If you come up with a theory, then you have to prove it. Nobody can prove it. It's just go by myth. So they was going, uh, Uganda was talked, rather than going and taking Palestine land, they was occupying Palestine, they was going to go occupy Uganda. So that doesn't make sense. Uganda's in the middle of Africa. It's next to Kenya. It's got nothing to do with the Middle East. Why, why Uganda? That's kind of interesting. Well, you got to ask them. That's what Zionists do. Who's the, oh, so, Zionists, so, so Zionists, so, so you differentiate between Israelis and Zionists? These people are German and Polish, Khazars. The facial uh, expression showed that. Could you imagine putting that facial expression in Uganda and saying, I'm back? 
<laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, that's, that's like putting, you know, Nordic Swedes. <laughs> you know, you got to say, hey, I am. Yeah, brother. <laughs> I don't think so. So I looked up Zionist, a supporter of Zionism, a person who believes in the development and protection of a Jewish nation in what is now Israel. That, that, that's, that's distorted, too. So, so Zionist believes that Israel is biblical, is the biblical land of the Jews. I believe that, too. Israel is the biblical land of the Jews. Not a problem for me. Okay. So that makes sense to me. Um, now, here's, here's where I differ, differ from Wendy. Um, although I absolutely believe in God, you know, I, 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 there's no other way you can explain the universe, quite honestly. Uh, that makes perfect sense to me. What doesn't make sense to me is flooding the entire world and then all the creatures living on a, on a boat. Okay. I got a problem with that. That doesn't make sense to me. All right. It's like Josie. Josie's, a lot of what she says makes sense, but then she'll, she'll cross this line and get into areas that make no sense to me. You know, and so this is where I have, to, I have to draw lines with everybody. It's like, okay, what do I believe and what do I question? Which you know, God do no, you believe in? Which God, uh, the, as far as I know, there's only one. Well, that's not true. Historically, that's not true. Every, civil, every society had their own God. And nobody can say that those people were wrong to think so. If they mm-hmm. do, they need to go pound put. <clears throat> every society mm-hmm. had their own God. The oldest concept of a creator goes back to the ancient, what you want to call ancient Egypt. Okay. Goes back to Ptah. Any records of any uh, thought, fan, or writing of creating of the universe, creating the world, goes back to him. And everybody built off of it. They borrowed, just like China have made tactical weapons that look like Americans tactical weapon. They didn't go through the process of the Wright brothers. No, they still so that's, the, that's what human <laughs> beings do. They have a stealth fighter that looks like our F-35. What a coincidence. They stole it. They stole yeah. the plans for it. No, yeah. That's what people but, but, want to well, say that other nations well, done, but other yeah. nations didn't necessarily steal. They just borrowed or built off of. And right, but here's the question. Steal. Yeah, but let's get back to talking about a God again. So, so, so to me, there is only one God. There's only been one God. There's only going to be one God. There's only one controlling force of the universe. Now, people name it different things. So, so the Muslims call their God, call God Allah. You know, uh, Christians call their God God. You know, or various other names. Um, and so that's that's it's the same God as far as I'm concerned. And so whatever the name is now, but then you get, then, you, then it gets more complicated when you get like the Greeks, which had a bunch of gods on Mount Olympus, Zeus, Athena, Hercules, you know, the whole crowd mythology, they say that's different. That me, that's, that's a whole different belief system. But as far as I'm concerned, there's only one overall intelligent design that's holding everything together. That to me is God. But yeah, it, but the one the, they have today was put in force by, was brought about through force. That was the army of Constantine. Historical data shows that. You okay. can go through a chronological date and you can see the processes that went down that got it to where it was. For instance, the Holy Trinity was what you call a holy family, really. Mm-hmm. It was the mother, it was the father, and the child. In this particular case, it was Asar, Aset, and Heru. Where at one of the Ecumenical Council meetings, they took out the mother and replaced it with a Holy Ghost. The records are still there. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, it's okay the, for them to, to the, do the that, Trinity. but what happened then, the they went around the world and propagated that to other people, especially in Africa. 
That's interesting. Yeah, so, so the Father, Son, Holy Spirit never made sense to me because if it's one God, why would you have three? I mean, where'd the Holy Spirit come from? So now if the Holy Spirit used to be the mother, so tell me about that. That's interesting. So, so what's the origin of that? So is it God the Father, God the Mother, and then God the, the, the child? No, it was the Trinity, the Holy, what, you would, what they call the Holy Family. Okay. And the Holy Family, the oldest record of a Holy Family was Aset, the mother. It was Heru. And by the way, Aset, the Greek, would call Isis. It was okay. the father. Heard that before. Asar. And then you had the son. It was Heru. It's funny that the life of Heru, which existed in this story, was mm-hmm. you had 16 other crucified Christ, a savior, basically, because the word means savior in many languages. Mm-hmm. They parallel that a Heru. So all evidence that you will present in a court of law shows, well, yes, this is a, this is where this uh, was, was derived from. When was Heru? What, what time period are we talking about? Far back as 10,000 B.C. Okay. Well, that, that makes sense. So it was no white thing, uh, in Europe. No white skin yeah. was in, in Africa at that time. Yeah. So when well, these, this makes sense. Just like, uh, just like Anwar, no, just like Nasser told Menachem Begin when Begin was saying, oh, look what my people built the pyramids. Nasser said, you might have built bagels, but you didn't build no pyramids. <laughs> yeah, the Egyptians built the pyramids. The Jews did not build the pyramids. Yeah. The Jews left Egypt. <laughs> so so that, that's kind of... That, well, that's, the Jews, that's, there was no Jewish slavery in Egypt building the pyramids. That's another yeah. myth. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, semi-sources. This is, this is quite interesting. But it makes sense. You know, and, and like we have uh, Chief Dan Skyhorse on the show. So he's talking about 65,000 years of, of American Indian history, Creek tribe, other tribes that came here, land bridge, you know, Navajo from, from Russia, the Creek from Mexico, and, and different uh, tribes came here, different nations came here from different places. Uh, and maybe some are already here, maybe some are always here. I don't know. But the point is, his the history he talks about is 65,000 years ago. Well, Jesus was only 2,000 years ago, 2023. Well, that's a very short period of time compared to 65,000. You look at Chinese, well, actually, Korean, and... Go ahead. What's that? Actually, our year is about 10,495 because Egyptians had a calendar that was much older than that. And see, the thing is, with theirs, theirs is still written. I mean, you can go into these tombs, and you know, the uh, in Egypt, you only have about 26 or 28% of the edifices, the temples and tombs that, are, that have been uncovered from the sand in the desert. Mm. So they're constantly finding things. But uh, it was the, they wrote it in the tombs and they carved it in stone. Everybody else, they could, there was no paper 65,000 years ago. No, no papyrus, <laughs> no parchment, <laughs> no Dead Sea Scrolls. And no banana. Pe- they wouldn't use the banana peels. I mean, banana leaves. But, I don't know but, uh, banana that's leaves. What it okay, that's that makes what sense. It is, and it might have, you know, decomposed by now anyway. But here's here's what's interesting. If you just do a timeline of the timeline I know, uh, we're gonna we're, we'll see if we can fill in some gaps here. But if we take uh, American Indians, sixty five thousand years. We take eight societies. You know, Chinese history, as far as I know, goes back seven thousand years. 
Jesus was 2,000 years ago. Uh, Muhammad was, what, 500 years ago? Maybe more. Um, but when, well, when you we're had like the, the Yahwehism, which was breakaway Kushites. Okay. And who rescued Jerusalem from the onslaught of the Assyrians, who were led by Sennacher about 700 B.C. And if the Assyrians had been successful, because Yahwehism came before Judaism, then Judaism came before Christianity and Islam came out there. Right. And those latter two religions, Africa, in the land what's now called Southern Ethiopia, Nubia, or Cush, they fought off both of those. They fought off Justinian and his attempt to spread Christianity into the Deep South, and they fought off Islam for 700 years. They didn't want it. Why would they? <laughs> yes, yeah, a totalitarian theocracy. Why would anybody want it? How did the Persians? Uh, how did you the Persians? Had a you've had for seven, if you had a god that you've had for ten thousand years, that when your soldiers, when your generals like Ursa Maat, Reis of Tepera, Rameshu Meriamun went to battle against the Hittites, which is present-day Turkey, and defeated them at the Aronis River, which exists today, why uh-huh. would you need them? Yeah. How would you need somebody else's guy? Well, it sounds pretty new as far as it goes. Now, here's where I needed some uh, – I love you put together a timeline, or I could probably do it myself, but I'd be, I'd be curious. Like, names we all hear, the, the Assyrians, the Hittites, the Babylonians, these different societies that existed, ancient history. You know, we don't – I don't think we study enough ancient history. It's something I, I want to look more into. But if you if – you, I'd love you to do, a, like, a whole series of reports on these ancient civilizations because you obviously know it, and it would be tremendous benefit from put this into perspective because you know there, there are those that uh, there are christians that believe that the world started four thousand years ago you know and that's what the, yeah that's, some Christ- that's that doesn't make any sense to me at all that that's that, that's just crazy talk okay um you know that that would d- deny the dinosaurs you know carbon dating you know a lot of things we know to be true okay and a lot of history from a lot of people goes back a lot further than four thousand years so that to me makes no sense whatsoever but those are the people who absolutely believe that okay you're entitled if that's what you want to believe no problem However, I am going to challenge it. Let's see what Marco says. He's got a thing here. He says, I had to search for why some people consider Zionism as being evil. found this online. Just a normal user post, so not verified. He says, Zionists are a group of people that are Jewish and consider Jewish people superior to all other. That's not true. That's not what Zionism is. I just read a totally different definition. Then he says, they are founders of communism. Oh, there we go. And control a, a far majority of media and government. Oh, so this, that's what we would call the Jewish conspiracy, like Jews run the world, okay? So those that think that all, all bankers are Jewish and all media people are Jewish and all, all the Hollywood entertainers are Jewish, Jew, the Jews went into business because they didn't have anything else. You know, the, there was no homeland for Israel, so you don't see a lot of Jewish farmers, you know, up until Israel because there was no land to farm, right? So this is why Jews went into business. He says not verified. Well, yeah, yeah. Right. I know it's not that's verified. That's why they shouldn't have went to Uganda. And they're evil. Because better Israel, the, the, the rulers, the, uh, those that control us today, very evil. Uh-huh. They had uh, the better Israel, which are Ethiopians. They're in Gondor, Ethiopia. They done an airlift. And Israel done an airlift to take some of them out and bring them back to Israel. I guess the, uh, the rich people there needed to have service. They went and got these blacks. Well, as soon as they landed, they gave the women birth control and also sterilized a bunch of them. 
When was this? And what made the men resurface that. Well, they sterilized because the same reason that Margaret Sanger done what she did. They no, didn't what, want what, to have what, what a time population. period? What time period are we talking about? Well, you go, you're going to have to look up the. It was after 1948. So this is we're talking. This is recent history. So we're talking the Jews reported yeah. Ethiopians they didn't to be have airplanes back in 2000 BC. <laughs> well, I know that, but but all right. So all right. So I forgot. I, 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 I didn't hear the airplane part. So we're talking about Israel imported Ethiopian servants. Those the 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 Ethiopia better B E T A that's house of they are more legit there than these Germans and Poland and Americans. So he said so so Ethiopians in, in what is, is in Israel? Are you saying have a greater yeah. claim than all right? So so the Jewish homeland is not is not by nationality it's by religion, as far as I know. It's by religion, yeah, right. religion and so, it's many many myths. But there, are, but there are right. Well, yeah, but this is this is why I want to sort of this is why I want to talk about this. So this is a great time to talk about it. Now we've got time to do it, right? So this is fascinating. So, so, so Israel to me is a place where Jewish, you know, refugees from around the world can go and have a homeland. So if you're Russian Jewish, German Jewish, Polish Jewish, you know, South American Jewish, I don't know wherever the, wherever Jews in the world come from. Well, I, I'm not sure be, how the Jews uh, were scattered in the first place. But you can be vandal refugees. You can be a nice Templar refugees. Vandals was ran out, pushed out, ran away from their homeland. Mm-hmm. The Acacians, they could be refugees. Acacians mm-hmm. had to go through the same thing. Mm. The kids were made to put a goat head around their neck if they spoke their language. No, now and, we get and, down and, to and, what we, men do to men. Oh well, yeah, well, and, and all look, at our, look at look at our own country here. Look at look at uh, you know how how did white Europeans treat the, the Navajo, the Apache, the the Iroquois? You know, the Creek, the Comanche. I mean, you know, we had entire nations here. We had an entire nation, national structure of, of different well, nations too, occupying got, what's now the United States. Right? How those same people treat their own former people. That's why you have these different nations. Uh, when people claim what the Klan done, the mm-hmm. blacks, then you want to blame all whites for doing that. That's totally wrong. All whites wasn't involved in that. No, we had all groups. whites were involved in slavery. Only a small percentage of whites were involved in slavery. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you can't blame, you know, that's like saying, that's like blaming, you know, every British citizen for making America a colony back in the 1700s. The average British citizen had nothing to do with that. They weren't even citizens. They were subjects. So they didn't have any power you know what's against going King George on? III. You know what the whole idea was, is that you form these nations and you got, and you got the precarious for the Western interests, mm-hmm. like they say all you form these governments. These governments get aid from the United States, and then the mm-hmm. aid go through the boomerang effect and come back mm-hmm. around through organizations like APAC, which is the Jewish lobby, and it's getting mm-hmm. the politician. Same yep. thing is going on in uh, Ukraine today. Put a GPS on one of those dollars and see, don't you see a trace back? <laughs> Have you ever seen the Where's George thing where you can actually trace the serial number of different bills? It's fascinating where they go. Yeah. I've done that a couple of times. So, so, so Josie, Josie just texts me that she knows Argentinian Jews. I mean, they're Jews all over the world. Okay, so I'm not sure how how the how the Jews, you know. And that's from, another thing that people yeah. don't know about Argentina. You had slaves, mm-hmm. black slaves, taken to Argentina, and mm-hmm. they started. They was uh, because of natural propagation, they was uh, expanded, and then all of a sudden they disappeared. Where yeah, happened to all that. the blacks that was in Argentina? 
Good question. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Here's another one too. Wasn't uh, wasn't one of their presidents Fujimori <laughs> of Japanese origin? How did that happen? I don't know. <laughs> you know, as soon as I heard that, yeah, the president of Argentina, now, Fujimori, is uh, Fujimori, he's Japanese. Well, go ahead. Yeah, and see the discussion. <laughs> that agreement in '48 was actually architected by a black man. His name was Ralph Bunch, hmm. with uh, the League of Nations, and. At these meetings, there was no black nations invited to these meetings. Even the Berlin Conference, when they carved up Africa, these were all Europeans. No black nations sat at the table and said, well, where's my part? Well, you know, Europeans have a history of colonizing uh, and arrogance. I mean, the European nations are incredibly arrogant. We got Mark on the line too. I'd be curious. Did, did the where were the Dutch? The Dutch had the Dutch East Indies, right? Royal Dutch Shell, you know, the the the, the petroleum company of, of the Netherlands. There, they conquered the Indonesia. It was now Indonesia, but it used to be the Dutch East Indies. Well, right? it was in that's Iran what the Japanese wanted. The but that's where the oil is. What's that? Go ahead. It was in Iran with the oil fields. Musk the, the Dutch had were? to uh, nationalize the oil fields and get it back to the Iranian people. Well, used to, there was Look an Aramco. Uh, I don't know if Aramco. Remember the Arab American Oil Company, Aramco. I don't know if that still exists, but uh, but you know the United States has its share of colonizing too. So so the Middle East. So we're talking like the Arab. You know we've got Sub-Saharan Africa. But no one ever talks about Saharan Africa. So you got the top of Africa from from Morocco all the way over to Egypt, right? So 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 those are Arab nations, right? As far as I know. Then you've got the Middle East. You've got Saudi Arabia. You know, uh, and then you've got the other Arab countries. Uh, and then the Europe Arab came nations in, screw- in, the, in mid times. Who named it Middle? So if it's the Middle East, where's the Middle West? And where's well, the, the British Middle North? It. it was called oh, the British Asia. Named, the British Minor. named oh, the British. The British named it because the British were you know sailed the world and explored right. So why did the so why is it called why is Asia called the Far East? Because it's Far East from Britain. Why is it called the Middle East? Because it's Middle <laughs> East from Britain. You know. Yeah. So we'd actually be so, we'd actually be the Middle West. <laughs> you know, yeah, if, if England named right. us, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. British, uh, the, the sun didn't set on none of on its British. worldly possession. Right. That right. was the beginning. Now, let me tell you something else. Sure. Uh, Egypt also was expansionist. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't allow, in which rightfully so, you wouldn't put a Cuba and put missiles in it on their borders. So <laughs> what you calling... Uh, the the Philistines in right. that area, they got along with. But when was anybody this? else that came on, well, it's 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 that uh, strip of land. No, uh, when what time period? On the coast. I'm, I'm trying to I'm well, trying to put a time period. What you call Arabia? Arabia. Right. It was Arabia. The whole Kukundugul of it was Arabia. So how big was the Egyptian Empire? And when was the when was the Egyptian Empire? Ten thousand years ago, fifteen thousand. When, when was when was Egypt at its height? They, it, it, it consists of dynasties. That right. It was ran by families, and the families came from the south. Egypt did not. Cush uh, did not. They were they were fighting. It wasn't Where'd mixed with European. It was mixed okay. with other Asian. So where so where did the Arab nations come from originally? Were they African or were they, they European were, or both? Uh, Arab language is African language, by the way. Okay. But uh, they uh, it was people in that area. People 
benoing, wandering, and so on and so on. So, so I'm saying is, you know, let's, let's take Saudi Arabia. Have no horses. Huh? Let's take Saudi Arabia, for example. So where this, so Saudi Arabia doesn't have a long history. It's, it's the House of Saud. It's a family. So it's a family dynasty, much like the Egyptian dynasties, you know, the Chinese dynasties and things like that. So, so I'm, trying to put, I'm trying to get like a time frame in my head. So where did the modern Arab person come from? Are they Africans that moved north? Are they Europeans that moved south? Um, were the people always there? You know, like Bedouins on camels? I mean, where, how, did, well, how did the... How did the Arab world get You know started? what you have to do? You have to account for geological occurrences like ice ages. That's way back. See, well, the last one was, what, 50,000 years ago? When was the last ice age? Well, I can't give you no definite date. I think it's no about 50,000. It extended, extended yeah. all the way down to Illinois, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, in New so York, that's why the Creek tribe ice. came from Mexico during an ice age, because they they're 65,000. The Creek tribe so they came been... from Mexico. They're, you're right. They, yeah. they are descendants from the uh, Mayans. Right. So that would have been during an ice age. If, it, if their history goes back to – if Chief Dan Skyhorse, you know, and if I remember him correctly, well, talks about 65,000-year-old history – what tribe mm-hmm. is Skyhorse? Creek. Oh, well, if he's Creek, then, yeah, maybe so. <clears throat> but the point is, but, I'm, I'm uh, trying to make a yeah, timeline. But, so, in other words, if his history is 65,000 years old and the last, last ice age was 50, was 50,000 years ago, the, the, the Creek were in an ice age for at least 15,000 years in this country. Well, I don't, want to, I don't want to go against what people think. But I don't think it goes back that far because okay. Asians came across the land bridge and they began to evolve in the areas where they were. After you Was it a land bridge or an ice bridge? Was it a land bridge or an ice bridge? A land bridge or an ice bridge? Yeah. Well, at one time it had ice on them. It melted. Now you got ground. <laughs> Woolly mammoths and everything That's what else I'm saying. came across. You know, and if you look at a map, the the end of the Aleutians, you know, in the Bering Strait and Russia, not that far. It's like what fifty miles apart. Well, Sarah Palin can see it from the backyard. No, that was that was Faye. Uh, that was Tina Faye said that. Sarah Palin never said that. Let's get a Russian. Oh, okay. I got my I got my globe right here. So you look at the globe. All right, let me just take my glass off. And get a close up here. So if you look at the I'm trying to get in the light here. Look at the Seward Peninsula, and you look at uh, what's that place in Russia? I'm having a hard time reading it. Let me get it all closer. I'm trying to get my microphone and read this at the same time. It looks like Yulin, Russia, and the Seward Peninsula are separated by the International Dateline, but that's not a big stretch of water. It's very short. So the Aleutians go far down south, but the distance between Russia. You know, when you get up to uh, the Chuki Mountains, this is the far, the absolute eastern side of Russia is a little place called U, U it looks like U-E-L-E-R-R-E. So Ulair, Ulary, Russia, and the Seward Peninsula. Seward was the guy that, you know, got Alaska for us, right? That take, If you ever look at a map, that tiny little stretch of land, you can cross that in a boat in the summertime. It's not very far. <laughs> you know, it's, given the size of Alaska and Russia, maybe it's, I don't know. I'm trying to use a well, latitude launch. You know, it's not that. It's migrate. not very far. It's not very far. Yeah, people, An ice bridge would have done it. Human yeah. being curiosity. What's over there? They go to walk over there and see what it is. Yeah. When humanoids became, mm-hmm. when uh, Homo erectus came about, when the humanoids that was in Central Africa, 
right around the Great Lakes region, around the uh, foothills of the Mountain of the Moon, which mm-hmm. it was called Kilimanjaro, and also when the volcanic eruptions caused people to called them people to move, mm-hmm. uh, they began to wander around. Yeah. What was the last, uh, what was the last uh, Kilimanjaro eruption? Uh, do you know? I, I don't know. That I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. don't know right offhand. Yeah. I'll tell you who else moves but, around And also lot. climate change yeah. caused a lot of it, too, mm-hmm. because climate change began to uh, change. Uh, climate began to change. The foliage in the trees, you, you had humanists that lived in trees because they had to because the predators would have killed them. On the ground, yeah, they only absolutely. came down on the ground when they necessary had to. Yeah, and then they invented spears, <laughs> bows and arrows, and axes, and they began. I, they they learned how to use yep uh, sharp weapons. point sticks mm-hmm. for weapons. Mm-hmm. Yet, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I'll tell you one thing. I learned when I took my daughter to Hawaii. We went to the, the Polynesian Cultural Center, which is an amazing place. Everybody should go there. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's absolutely fascinating. I learned how to make fire from wood. I can actually make a, a fire from, from, from wood and carve a little piece of wood and with friction, I can actually start a fire. So I learned that there, but the Polynesians, you want to talk about people that wandered thousands of miles on the ocean in reed rafts and things like that. You know, it's much easier to, to believe that Asians crossed over from Russia to Alaska than it is to, to understand how Polynesians, you know, from Tahiti, the Marquesas to Hawaii, to Samoa, to all these different islands. When the water level was when the water level was low of the ocean, they done what was called island hopping. Okay, hop here, hop there. That makes sense. So they avoid the that trenches, which are like seven miles deep, right? But the but the archipelagos would have been a lot higher. Okay, that's interesting. That makes sense. Yeah, well, this is so fascinating. Uh huh. Yeah. And you know, as far as this thing here that's going on, United States, if this is where it's confusing to those who hear what's being said, mm. like we need to, uh, uh, there's a need for Americans to stop using all fossil fuels. That's insane. Okay. So now, why do you have an interest in that area there? Which area? What are we talking about? We're talking about the Mideast. Oh, why do we have an interest there? Always because we had interest because the passage of much of the world always goes through the Suez Canal rather than going through the northern uh, western edge and going through the Straits of Gibraltar to hit the North Sea. Right. They go through the Straits of Hormuz and come out the other way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. it's interesting. And and, and uh, from what Trump is saying, a lot of people are saying, we don't need Mideast oil. We've got plenty of oil here. Apparently, we've got more oil than anybody. We just don't want to develop Right, and you don't need to be giving aid to those people there. And money should stay in the pockets of United States citizens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's a vested interest in those that, you know, that they get their money from outside. That there's, a, there's, an indus- there's like an America-destroying industry. You know, and you look at all the foreign lobbyists. I was reading about this recently. We've got this guy, Mali, right? So this guy, Mali, is, is an agent of Iran in our government. In fact, he was so bad, even Obama got rid of him. That's how dangerous this guy is. But he set up this Iran you know, intelligence operation and this, the, the, the Iranian something or other cultural advisory group or something like that. I forgot what the name of it is. But anyway, their job is to you know, make uh, American policy favorable to Iran. The Chinese have lobbyists all over the place. 
Israel has lobbyists. Everybody has lobbyists to get American taxpayer money. It's really disgusting. You're right. So, yeah. And so what and we need to do is, is people in keep our money. countries that saying yeah. that they mm-hmm. should get rid of their leaders. If these, mm-hmm. if you got elements in the country that's quote unquote being labeled as terrorists, because you never will get them out because they just blend in with the people. Well, the same thing can say about the United States. Why mm-hmm. come you let your evil leaders remain in Washington? Good question. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't. But see, I wouldn't give them any money either. I would take all the money out of, uh, out of campaign funding. See, a lot of what these lobbyists do, these foreign lobbyists, is they contribute to campaigns. So this is why I have to take all the money out of campaigns, and you have to remove parties, party membership from people serving in office. We want to, we want to isolate and insulate them from all these horrible foreign influences. Because you look at the Bidens. Their money comes from China. You know, and a lot of money for, for different people, the Israel pays, Iran pays, you know, all these different nations are paying for influence in this country. They're contributing to campaigns. They're giving money directly. Who's, who's the guy that, uh, the, the guy from New Jersey, uh, the, the senator, Menendez, Menendez, you know, they've got gold bars. You know, it doesn't get much more corrupt than that. I mean, literally gold, yeah. gold bars bribing him. Okay. So this is, so this is the problem. So, but there's something I want to address before we, before we close today, and this is something interesting, that Marco found a definition of Zionism, which says that uh, the Jews want to enslave all non-Jewish people. Okay, I don't believe that for a second. But every, but every conspiracy... Well, it's not the Jewish know, people. A, a, Jewish, the, a person, Sammy Davis Jr. was a Jew, right? Right. You know, I don't think he wanted to enslave all people, non-Jewish. No, I don't. No, no, no I agree. So but, you but, have this mentality... Yeah, but this is what there's. This is what I find, you know, really disgusting. Is that, is that to people who define Zionism, and I don't believe, I don't like this definition at all, as people as Jews that want to enslave others, you know, and they'll say the same thing well, about, they, about Muslims. Well, how do they define Muslims MAGA? Want what did what did Go Clinton ahead. call MAGA the other uh, not too long ago? I don't I'm know. I'm MAGA. Yeah, I am too. Make America great. See, they never say make America great again. They always say MAGA like it's somehow an insult. You're a MAGA Republican. There you go. And nobody knows what it means because they don't understand. But this is why Trump keeps saying, make America great again. So if every Republican had a brain in their head, if they know how propaganda works, they would say, oh, yeah, let's make America great, great again. I'd say, and you're a Moss. You're a Moss Democrat. What does that stand for? Make America suck. So if Republicans had, if they knew anything about psychological operations at all and propaganda, they would, every time they hear the term mega Republican, they would say, well, you're a Moss Democrat. What's that? You're a make America suck Democrat. That's how you fight that, but they don't fight so that. So what happens, uh-huh. just like they say that we are Trump supporters and they associate Trump as being evil, well, uh-huh. then around the world, they look uh-huh. at Americans as uh, supporting the evil politics that go on in America. That's why yeah. they attack them. But let's, but let's say, take a look at the evil that if, Well, if yeah. you're not this way, then why come uh-huh. you let your government exist? People want to blame uh, the, the Japanese people on what the emperor and his group sat down and done. Well, the yeah, Japanese insane. people couldn't go in there and kick out the emperor. <laughs> exactly. You know, and Japanese Americans are not responsible for Pearl Harbor. <laughs> I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. And yet Roosevelt locked up Japanese Americans. Which is kind of crazy. All right, here's here's the thing I don't like. I don't like the uh, you know the the the, the conspiracy belief. And these, we're talking about you know seriously deranged conspiracy beliefs. The 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 Jews control the world, or the Illuminati control the world, or the Muslims want to control the world. Everybody you know everybody, these these controlling the world myths, and everybody defines everybody else as wanting to control the world. It doesn't work that way. 
you know, because no, they can't do that. So, so they, there's a lot of really bad theories. Well, it and, depends and bad on what you look at. Okay. Every group of people in society has a special niche. In German, when it comes down to metal, struck steel, and so on and so on. The Dutch, mm-hmm. when it comes down to optics, your telescope, your microscope, and so on and so on and so on. Oh, like Tesco? It goes down That's the Dutch? Well, that's interesting. Yeah, so it goes right down down the line. Mm-hmm. So when it gets down to money and finance, well, then it's been this certain group that they call Jews. Well, no, it's one of the yeah. one but, of the but, no, okay, so, so is Germany. Yeah, now it makes perfect sense to say that Jews have advanced in business and science and technology and law and medicine because Jews didn't have things that would be like a land operation. You know, like farming and uh, you know, and factories and industries and things like that, because we're talking about people that didn't have a homeland and didn't have the space to set up the factories or the farms. So that makes sense that Jews would advance in medicine, law, and and science things well, that don't it, require it, 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 land or factories. The thing that, that makes people sense. complain about the bank, like Germany, Germany said that we got money in the bank, we can't get out. Well, mm. blacks say the same thing: we got money yeah. in the bank, we can't get loans for businesses in our community. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, that's, that's, they say the same thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's one thing to say that uh, there's a Jewish banking conspiracy. There's another thing to say that uh, Jews advance in banking as, as just a natural evolution of Jews. That's a totally different statement. You know, that's like saying... Well, the whole uh, thing about gold certificates was a scam. Yeah. Oh, so we're talking about... Because what we're gold talking about is now. too bulky to carry around, so the banks, Jewish banks, would t- take them and, uh, and store the gold and give them a certificate. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good idea. We don't even have to have any gold. We can issue these certificates. Well, then people yeah. go back with the certificates to get their gold. Ain't no gold. <laughs> well, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, they're supposed to. Be, that's the whole point of a certificate. But then the certificates themselves become tradable, which is interesting. You know, and the whole stock market that's a whole different thing. But anyway, it's just interesting that the the things that are true that you can say about people and the things that aren't true. You know, and what uh, do you find that information at? You know, you look hard. Well, yeah, it's, but it's, but you know, right. But is it a prejudice kind of thing or is it a fact? That's like, you know, uh, I don't know, saying all Arabs are sheiks living in, in luxury and stealing our, our petroleum dollars. And that's not true either. You know, so there's a lot of myths out there, but, um, but one of the, let's get back to fossil. Why? I'm sorry. I misspoke. Organic fuels. Because the organic fuels are fascinating. We've got all the organic fuel we need. We've proven that carbon is good for the environment and the burning of organic fuels. And we haven't had Gregory Wrightson. Remember when he was on not too long ago? He talked about, he, he confirmed our, our theory that yes, the burning of organic fuels releases essential carbon in the form of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere so the plants can breathe it and maintain the carbon cycle. So there's nothing wrong with driving. As long a, as it, a, a, as, long as, it as long as it, at a safe level because too much carbon dioxide can cause devastation like what people are well, like happening. We're, we're, so, we're so far from that. We're like 400 parts per million. Carbon dioxide has been yeah. like 8,000. During the dinosaurs, it like 8,000 parts per million. So we're a long, long way. You know, the entire Industrial Revolution raised, car- raised carbon from, maybe it's 200-something, raised carbon from uh, 180 parts per million, which was close to 150, which is death. So 150 parts per million carbon dioxide is death. That's where the plants die. So 180 was too close. So fortunately, yeah. you know, we, discovered, we discovered that we could burn petroleum 
in the internal combustion in the steam engine, and we could, uh, and as a byproduct, we release makes clouds and carbon dioxide, which makes plant food. And so that was a good thing, <laughs> you know. But well, it, it took Mother the industrial Nature revolution. Right, and uh, yeah, human yeah. beings, human mm-hmm. beings are a product of what this earth has evolved into. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we're like, now if the temperature get up above, if ambient temperature naturally get up above uh, a certain point, 108, 110, human beings is going to either do one or two things. They're going to either have to adapt, physically change, or die out. Yeah, and exactly. And probably be all with it. Well, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what happens. You know, I mean, you look at the look at the human beings that went through the ice age, the Neanderthals and the Cro-Magnons. They were big. They were big and husky. Why? Because they had to keep their body heat, you know, because they're warm-blooded. Uh, and they had to survive an ice age, you know, with stone knives and bearskins. <clears throat> so they became very good and very big. Now, I would imagine if and the world got hotter. To, your mm-hmm. ability to reproduce would become stress. Mm. Whites are not having babies. Yeah. Schumer said this the other day. He didn't say it quite like I did, but he said it. And then to complicate things, you abort your baby. Yeah, you go well, black babies are aborted, too. Zone, I mean, there's a lot of... going to these equatorial. Yeah, but blacks, yeah. Is, 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 that's unnatural because if you look at high-melanated people, they have babies off the charts. Hmm, um, Nigeria would be the second largest population surpassing China, according to, you know, calculations. At the end of this century, they have babies. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, hey, babies are good. I'll, you know, I love kids. <laughs> but what's interesting is that in this country, yeah, uh, th- this is a huge abortion country. Uh, but there's a replacement going on too, because no one's in, no one in government is encouraging the illegal aliens to have abortions. They're only encouraging Americans to have abortions. They're encouraging Americans to get COVID shot. The illegal aliens don't get the COVID. And shot. they not. And they're not uh, sterilizing Latino women that come across the border like Israel done Ethiopian women because they didn't want the Ethiopian black population to increase. Hmm. And sooner or later, like that saying said, you know, soon they would take over your community. Yeah, Same I never way heard it was that, in uh, the Republic of Texas, right? Uh, as far as what? Huh? You had settlers coming in, in, into the from the east. In locating right. in the Republic of Texas, they became a numerical majority. Next thing you know, they say we want to vote away from Mexico to become a part of the United States. That's what people do. Blood is thicker than water. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I understand that. I mean, things change. Nothing stays the same. You know, borders move, countries move, things move, things change. The climate changes. The Earth moves. You know, I was in the San Francisco earthquake. I know the Earth moves. <laughs> I felt it. <laughs> I know exactly what it's like. So yeah. So. Um, you know, I mean, this is and, and that's what's changed. going on in Israel. Those German and yeah. Polish and American people, the mm-hmm. women aren't having babies. Yeah, that's so crazy. So that they're not doing. Well, that, no, is that, is that environmental or is it environmental or economics? See, I think the reason that uh, that people aren't having babies, the responsible people who don't want to go on welfare and have all the kids that they can, are not having babies because economically it doesn't work, or or because of feminist you know, reasons. There's a town they're, they're in driven Alabama to called Doton, Doton, Alabama. Uh-huh. Is a town in Alabama called Doton. It's a Jewish it. community there, and they pay Jewish couples fifty thousand dollars to move there. Really? They don't pay black people fifty thousand dollars to move there. Why not? That's discriminatory. Well, well no, you but, you, but free association, right? Now you believe in free association. So if if a Jewish community wants to pay, you know, Jews to move to that community, who cares? 
it's not illegal for blacks to move to Dothan, Dothan, Dothan however they pronounce it. Um, where's you, well, know, you got Alabama. Liberty County, Liberty County, Texas, where you have all of a sudden a sprung Colony up. Ridge. Yeah, Colony, Colony Ridge. Ridge in Liberty yeah. County, Texas. Yeah. yeah. So look but at that, that is illegal because those people can't be here. So that's a different thing. Hey, Marco's going to leave us in about uh, 30 seconds. Thanks, Marco. Appreciate all your help today. We'll talk to you uh, uh, probably tomorrow. Um, Marco's in the Netherlands, and we lose our signal even though we get a little bit of overtime here. But let's talk about That's a good example. So in other words, a town that's paying for – or Jewish residents. I know. I know a place in Canada. Not, uh, yeah, Cape. Jewish. Yeah, in Dalton. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Dalton Dothan pays for Jews to move there. Now. There's a there's a place in Canada, Cape Barron, Cape Breton, Cape Breton Island, Cape Breton Island in Canada. Mm-hmm. It's a remote place. It doesn't have Wi-Fi. They pay people to move there. They'll they'll help you start a business because they need the population. Well, the right? Muscovy Creek in Oklahoma Territory, because that's uh-huh. that's creek land. Right. Uh, they give. They was given creek. 160-acre allotments per family member. If you got four family members, 640 acres to work and do whatever you want to. That's Matter cool. of fact, one black creek, her name was Sarah Reckner, at 10 years old. She was a rich female in the United States because they found oil on her land. Good for her. Yeah. See, now, I don't mind if people voluntarily do that. That's free association. If, if people want to give a benefit, I don't care. You know, if the if the, the Columbus... Association of America wants to uh, help Italians. Eh, who cares? Or Italian Americans. Do what you want. As long as you don't make it illegal for other people. So in other words, the town of Dothan could not keep black people from moving there, so even if they want a Jewish population. That would be You're discriminatory. Right. That, would, that would be illegal, right? But if they just want to promote... See, it's one thing to give incentives and promote. That's perfectly fine. No problem. Well, you got blacks in, in Georgia, Atlanta, buying up land, and they want to have a black town. Well, okay. the same would have to apply to them, too. Mm-hmm. As long as they're doing it promotion and they're doing it by incentive, as long as they don't make it illegal for, for whites or Asians or other folks to live there, go for it. Why not? That's great. People have the right to associate. People have the right to associate with who they want to associate, and they don't have to associate with who they don't want to. That's why busing That's is illegal, integration, forced in, in, oh. integration of, uh, of uh, when, when Obama wanted to put all the low-income housing. In, in suburban, you know, middle-class neighborhoods. That's illegal. You can't do that. You can't design mm-hmm. neighborhoods for people. That's, 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 you know, blatantly unconstitutional. But people do have a right to choose where they live. And if a middle-class person wants to live in a middle-class, say, see, so a black family moves up to middle-class and they want to live in a predominantly white middle-class family, go for it. You know? You're right. No problem. Because they have you more have in common. Good, you have an uncanny way of saying things, which is <laughs> Well, thank you. Well, but but the, the but the thing they have in common is the middle class. So I so I would bet you that middle class black, black families, middle class Asian families, middle class let's say Nigerian immigrant families, middle class uh, you know Italian American families, Irish American families have far more in common than they have differences. What unites them is their income. They're all about the same income. Yeah. So they're all going to have similar jobs, right? They're going to have uh, similar housing. They're probably going to have a similar number of kids. They're going to go to the same mm-hmm. schools. They're all going to. They're all going to be friends. They're all going to have block parties together. You know. So, so that's America. You take that's on a, a different thing. culture. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the culture doesn't People matter because it's, it's American. Culture, they yeah. they tend to hang out with like-minded people, uh-huh. uh, traders of securities, and that they. Get with each other, and they talk the uh, they talk the language of the trade. They ain't talking about mm-hmm. the Dallas Cowboys and the 
<laughs> well, they might. Whatever. You lost them and just ran. Might own stock of it. You, you never know. Yeah. That. But there's yeah. but see that's actually an interesting point too. Maybe we should go into that because we're, we're sort of overtime. I don't want everybody to miss our conversation except for the podcast. But there's a reason that stockbrokers, traders, investment bankers live in New York City because that's where the New York Stock Exchange is. So that makes sense. There's a reason that publishers and fashion designers live in New York because that's a center for that. There's a reason that farmers live in Nebraska. You know, maybe you're in, and and uh, you know the farming cooperatives and agencies are headquartered in Omaha. Well, because that's where the farms are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but why, why are the energy companies located in Alaska? Well, that's where the oil is. <laughs> you know, or Pennsylvania or Texas. So, so all these things. You know, if if, if like I say, if government would just get out of the way, let people live where they want, as long as they're not discriminating illegally. Okay. Now you can still discriminate. Use your own judgment. You know, there's a reason that hippies move to the Haight-Ashbury. Why? Because there's a lot of hippies there. <laughs> you know, so that makes sense. Yeah, that's it, the reason why come a lot of uh, homosexual uh-huh. males is on Boys Beach there in Chicago, South well, Shore, North Shore. Or the Castro, or the Castro in San Francisco, or around, was it, the Stone something or other? Stone Men, Stone Gate, Stones, not Stonehenge. There, there was like a, there was a famous bar. Uh, a gay bar in New York that started a lot of the, the, the gay rights stuff. Anyway, but yeah, people associate with who they want to associate. Who cares? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. let's take the Castro in San Francisco. Castro in San Francisco is predominantly gay men. Everybody knows that, right? So if you want to live there as a, as a straight guy, there's, there's no restrictions. Of course you can live in the Castro. Understand, though, you're living in a group of predominantly gay men, and you're not going to change the Castro as a straight guy. You know, you can live there, you but you're not going to change Lewis. it. Go ahead. St. Louis, the Italians, who's in the hill, mm-hmm. and when they ran Highway 64, no, 44, yeah, 44, mm-hmm. the people on the hill, the Italians, didn't want a bridge to cross the highway from mm. the other side into their side. That's interesting. And also, they didn't want blacks to live in the community because when a house came up for sale or rent, you never seen a sign on the yard. Oh, it was always word of mouth. Yeah, and you know what? Hey, listen, uh, that's okay. I mean, most jobs are that way. What, are you, <laughs> you going to find companies every time they hire a friend of somebody that already works there? <laughs> you know, you'd stop. When I was a kid, I uh-huh. remember this this apartment building on the northeast corner of the intersection of Hamilton and Page. Mm-hmm. It had a sign on the wall. No blacks, no Jews, no dogs allowed. Yes, you can't do that. But they did. Well, yeah, but that's illegal. See, that's blatant discrimination. Whereas if, if a building, you know, well, housing discrimination is another thing because if they're purposely excluding, and this is where it gets kind of dicey because the law says you cannot discriminate. All right. So if a black person applies to work there, they can't say no. Whereas if they want to encourage Italians to live in this neighborhood, that that's a, so, so so here's the way I define it. Right. So as long as you're encouraging, that's OK. But if a black person comes up or, or an Asian person comes up or, uh, you know, uh, an Irish person comes up and th- they want to make it an Italian neighborhood, you can't stop them because it's their right to live. Allowed they want to live. In the hospital, right? in What's St. Louis, you had uh, Barnes Hospital. Mm-hmm. The Jews wasn't allowed in it. White yes, that's wrong too. You can't. You can encourage. You but can they, encourage people who are, are like you. But to what I'm saying, mm-hmm. see, we can say this against the law, but mm-hmm. you got things going on against the law today with Donald Trump. Nobody's doing oh, anything about it. It yeah. was against the law. So you know what the Jews done? 
they bought the place. Now it's Boeing's <laughs> Jewish. That's interesting. Yeah, actually, that's a good. That's a good way around it. You know, it's it's like <laughs> if if uh, if black Southerners during segregation bought the restaurants that were discriminating against blacks, that would be a whole different issue. Of course, the town might not let that happen. Well, that was they a did. Time. Uh, George Washington ate at a black restaurant. The George Washington? We're talking way back 1700s? The George Washington, yeah. What was the black restaurant? I don't know what the name of it is. But I can't remember the name, but it was Well, that's a, a great story, though. You've got you to find out died. the name of the restaurant. I, that, now I'm curious, because I don't know what kind of commerce they had in the 1700s. I guess they had restaurants. They had pubs in England since the 1500s. Well, so, just yeah. like the Haitians... Haitians mm-hmm. fought with Washington at Savannah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, life is complex. And they've got a memorial yeah. for him in Miami today with the soldiers uh, under mm-hmm. the leadership of Henry Cristal, who was a little drummer boy. Yeah, so it's what you don't know. No, and but you got to think about these things. It was you not know, It's like uh, when we're talking about uh, you know neighborhoods that want to be a certain way. I, I tell you right now, there are no Irish pubs in Chinatown in San Francisco. I know because I've been all over Chinatown. There's no Irish pubs in Chinatown. Is that discriminatory? No. <laughs> you know, unless an Irish pub tried to locate there and the the owners refused to sell to them. But most Irish pubs are well, not going to locate in Chinatown because there's no point. Driving through. If whites uh-huh. are driving through North St. Louis, North St. Louis uh-huh. County, through Pine Lawn, uh-huh. and especially Barrington Downs, the police is going to pull you over, ramsack your car, make you sit on the curb, ramsack your car, and then if they don't plant or they don't find anything, they send you on your way, and you have to put your car back together. So that's what people do. And where is this now? North St. Louis County, Pine Lawn, Barrington Do this to white white drivers? Why would they do that to white drivers? White drivers, because whites don't live there. Oh. If you see a white in certain parts of North St. Louis and North St. Louis County, throw a net over him because you got something, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I take it this is a predominantly black area of St. Louis? It's a predominantly black area, yes. Do they have white police? Yeah, they had the white police, but now, like Palon, it's, it's black police. And Barrington Down is very the average house in Barrington Down is over four hundred fifty thousand dollars. It's black, and they told yeah. Black Lives Matter, "You're not coming in here." <laughs> oh, so now that's a great story. Okay, that one I want to hear. We we should go for now, but uh, I would love to hear about black communities that, that kicked out Black Lives Matter. See, Black Lives Matter, as we all know, does not represent black people. And they don't care about black lives. We know that. They're a Marxist organization that wants to uh, make as much money as possible and buy mansions. I mean, that's, that's what they seem to do and create uh, their, their communist revolution in the United States while taking advantage of the free market to buy mansions. That's an interesting twist. <laughs> so Black Lives Matter is a, is, a, is a very interesting and very dangerous organization for what they do because the, the name of, the, of what they are is nothing like what they do. What they are is an extortion group that preys on, on guilt and manipulation you know, to make money and then use the free market to gain things while trying to bring about a communist revolution, which would cost them everything they have. But they don't care because they don't actually want a communist revolution. They just want to talk about it. So tell me about the, so do this, let's do this tomorrow. Cause, well, actually, Thursday we're going to have more time. Tomorrow we're, we're, we're full. Uh, as usual, we're full on Wednesdays. But Thursdays we've got more time. Let's bring it up then. So make a note to yourself. Bring it up. Uh, uh, I've got the, the whole time because CJ's not uh, with us right now. She's doing other stuff. So I've got three hours on Thursday. We have plenty of time to talk. This is fun. Thank you for today, sir. I appreciate it. Let's, uh... All right. Thank you. I'll see you later.
Sounds good. All right. So this has been a great day. I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do because I knew Brianna wasn't going to be here. Um, but uh, thanks to Pianchi, it worked out really well for the last hour. I think I played all the stuff I have to play. So I don't have to – I've done that, done that, done that, done that. Um, so let's just go right to our music and uh, for today, and then I will see you tomorrow. Uh, let me just look up my music. What's my music for Tuesday? Oh, I know. Figaro. <laughs> I have a, I have a, every day it's like Monday is a, a mid, Moonlight Sonata or Midnight Sonata. Uh, Tuesday is Figaro, Wednesday is uh, Beethoven's Fifth, Thursday is the um, William Tell Overture, and Friday is the uh, um, 1812 Overture. <laughs> so we have all our music already set up. So what's, uh, is it Midnight or Moonlight? Moonlight Sonata. That's the one for Monday. Ah, there's Tuesday. Okay, there we go. So I played everything I have to play, done everything I have to do, said everything I have to say. Now we're going to see if Jim Jordan becomes speaker. And I'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, when we will do it all again. Mm-hmm.